The best way to tell a team and if they're connecting with a coach is if they're getting their ass kicked. Are they still trying to play as if they're trying to like there's a shot at winning this game still? How is that chatter like on the line? How different is it from high school to college to when you get to the league? It uh, it never changes. Uh, it's it's every play, particularly in the NFL, I didn't realize. It's more like you hate each other, but once you get to the NFL, you're both on the same field and it's a form of camaraderie. Even no matter how bad talking it is and all this, for the most part, there's a mutual respect between the two players. Do you think a lot of guys when they get out of the league sort of fall into a depression? It depends on like how high their aspirations were when they played and how did they achieve that goal. The thing I miss most is just the camaraderie more than anything. Do you think about, I need to put X amount of money away per paycheck? Honestly, my rookie year, no. <laughs> the University of Washington, once you get there, things are different than they were at the high school level. Dude, first practice, I, I seriously question if football was for me. Thank you for joining me today. I am excited to have Jabari Issa on the show. Jabari is an ex-NFL player, used to play for the Arizona Cardinals, Houston Texans, a couple of other teams as well. A native of San Mateo, alumni of San Mateo High School, correct? That's Thanks correct. That right. Native of Foster City, but yeah. Native of Foster City, but San Mateo <laughs> High San School. San Mateo High School. And one of the most fascinating things was that he was also in Tom Brady's draft class, the guy who's still in the league right now at his age. It's I mean, crazy. more power to him on that one. And I'm sure you have some stories about high school between uh, your guys' team and his team that we yeah. might get into. <laughs> but we're going to spend a lot of time talking about life in the NFL, how he got there, any advice he can give for some of the new kids who are trying to come up in the league, how things have changed, and also we'll probably get into CTE. But first of all, thank you, Jabari, for coming on. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Really appreciate you coming out on a Saturday. I know you have a lot of things to do, but to spend a couple hours talking to me about what's going on, it's um, I'm really appreciative of it. So cool. Gets me you. out of the house, man, for sure. That's a good way to look at it right there. All right. <laughs> so before we get started, uh, why don't we give the audience a little bit of background of, of who you are. So how about give me about a minute or so spiel about who you are, and then we'll jump right into it. All right. So grew up in Foster City. Um, I went there. I actually started out by uh, Ocean Beach, then moved to Foster City. Now it's about the fourth or fifth grade, something like that. Went to Seminole High School, played ball. Didn't play ball until high school. Got to high school, did other sports. Um, went to University of Washington, played ball there. Graduated, got drafted, played some more ball, <laughs> and then eventually, you know, the game got tired of me, so I had to retire. Then did uh, other jobs with the enterprise and real estate agencies and other things like that. Just trying to find my, you know, second, second, third, fourth career. Third, fourth career, <laughs> and you were a defensive lineman, correct? Defensive lineman. Um, Pretty much, yeah, defensive lineman. I started out as a defensive tackle, but then I was kind of an in-betweener dude, like when I got to the NFL. So they kind of just put me kind of in on the defensive inside sometimes, sometimes defensive tackle. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. So how did you get into football specifically in high school? Was it just, you know, because of your, your size? Because you're like seven foot two, right? <laughs> me? No, I'm like six foot. I'm only like six six. Man. I probably look taller because I'm just bigger too, big and tall, so... <laughs> People always think uh, I get like Shaquille O'Neal like maybe twice a month. Really? Yeah, like just <laughs> at least twice a month since I was like since he went to the NF, since he went to the NBA. It's like oh, holy shit. Back. So look at that. <laughs> but uh, as far as how getting started, um, I didn't really like I said I didn't stay, start playing until uh, my freshman year in high school because uh, back then they did pee wee football, pop Warner football. They did it by weight. Mm -hmm. So if I was say I was in the fourth grade, I'd be playing with like seventh and eighth graders because of my weight. And I don't think my folks were, were cool with that as far as just gotcha. my body mature fast enough. But um, honestly, football, I liked watching football, especially when the Niners played and all that stuff. But as far as 
I wasn't super duper into it, knowing all the teams and all the, I just knew who the Niners were and who were on the Niners, but you know, some people go into it, know stats and all these other things, but no, I was pretty real rounded as far as just other sports and all things like that. Gotcha. All right. So your experience getting on the football team, was it like just, they said, Hey, we, we, we want you on the defensive line. How does that process work? Uh, it's pretty funny. Um, I didn't know really too much about positions in football until I started playing football. <laughs> so I had a friend, William Little, told me that I should probably play defensive end. And that's the reason why I chose. Because uh, coach asked me, what do you want to play? I was like, well, uh, offensive line, uh, offensive line. Def- oh, I said, play defensive end. I said, well, we don't really have a defense end type thing. So why don't you play offensive tackle and defensive, uh, defensive line? That's the reason why I even chose, like, mm. defensive end. Otherwise... I might have chose, like, now that I know that, I probably want to play more tight end and more outside linebacker. Gotcha. Because I, I was pretty fast, and then I just don't think I – I probably probably been faster or probably been better – I mean, obviously better as a D-tackle, but um, I, it seems like for me anyway that the less space you use as far as in those bigger years, mm-hmm. um, like, I, would, I wasn't as comfortable in space by, say, my – I don't know – Senior year because I just wasn't familiar with it. Mm-hmm. As opposed, to if I started out my, my junior, started out my freshman year being in that open space, and I'd probably be more comfortable as a linebacker. But I just always, you know, I didn't see the field as much because I was playing D tackle, defensive end now. So gotcha. that's what I, that's all I know. So well, it makes sense because maybe at the time when you don't know exactly what goes into each position, mm-hmm. I mean, hindsight twenty twenty, do you think the defensive side of the ball was more for like, yeah, you really want to get out there and get to somebody, whereas offensive tackle, I just want to make sure that he's not getting sacked. So oh, yeah, is yeah. there like a different mindset in terms of how aggressive you are? That's oh, totally. Um, you know what? I didn't discover. I thought that initially until I got to probably possibly like the college level. Um, you think that I was pretty more because I did play both sides. I played. Off, I didn't get off the field honestly because I, I want to say one year we only had about 20, 26 players on our team. Oh, gee. <laughs> yeah, it's like twenty six or no more than thirty. But it's, so we had so we had to play punt, kickoff, kickoff return, field goal, PAT. So I never left the field. Me and my boy DC and Sean G, and a couple other players. Um, but as far as um, offensive defense. I I thought playing off off of the tackle, you had to be more passive. But once I got to the um, college, is guys are dick assholes, dude. Like for <laughs> real, like super aggressive and and all that. And then the reason I chose like I like defense more is because um, when you're playing off the tackle, over time your name is recognized is because you're messing up pretty much, right? You're either holding yeah. or got a sack on you. Plus, you don't have control of what you can do as far as you, your ability mm. as opposed to defense, you can make a play, any play, you know, offense, it's more working together um, to get to the greater good. And the defense, the same defense is the same way, but we're all trying to make a play, you know, all within our, you know, certain rules as far as we don't want to get go outside those rules too much, but you can make a, anybody can make a play as opposed to offense, you know, the calling a play, Quarterback's gonna get the ball. He's gonna either hand it off or he's gonna throw it down the field. Yeah, and and every we all they all win. Obviously, that's great. But I mean, nowadays it might be a little bit more. Um, people might pay more attention to offensive alignment, particularly because there's you know podcasts like this, or there's offensive alignment like that. You know, focus on that. So hell, that's a great block there. That's more. <laughs> but back just, then, man. it was just you know, um, offensive alignment was just fat dudes that you know that either. 
did their job or didn't do their job pretty much. So. That's a way to look at it. Yeah. I always want to ask this. So how is that chatter like on the line in the game? And how different is it from high school to college to when you get to the league? Nobody sees it on TV because obviously there's no yeah. mics down there. But you can just see him like the, you know, the head movements in my own. Yeah. <laughs> Who's it's, John at who? It, uh, it never changes as far <laughs> as like it doesn't get any more in depth. It may be more. I mean, I want to say maybe less personal. Like, you don't talk about a person's wife and kids and, and, and moms as much as you do in the pros. I mean, it does happen, and, you know, things do, and it gets to be pretty good, intense games. Um, but as far as the, the, the jawing, uh, it's, it's every play. It depends on just the team, depends on if there's history behind that team. So it really matters if you have a rivalry, whether division or, or, or high or school the person, Or some just a person or... And it's funny because there's tears to it. There's uh, people that just talk the talk, but don't back it up. That's kind of an eye roller. But then the guys that can talk and talk and back it up, and then the other person that can talk the talk and back it up, then you, then it's the competition juices actually really flow, and that's when you have a really good. It's funny because it's almost like, um, particularly in the NFL, I didn't realize it's more like a um, like you hate each other, but once you get to the NFL, you're both on the same field, and it's there's a. a a form of camaraderie, even on against the other team. Like, yeah, you. I mean, maybe not against the Seahawks and the Niners or anything like that, but <laughs> there's always a mutual respect, you know, yeah. even no matter how bad talking it is and all this, for the most part, there's a mutual respect between uh, the two players. Good. Well, that's good to hear because sometimes you're like, wow, these, these guys are really getting into it. Yeah. And then you hear all the horror, the one-offs, like I think it was Michigan and Michigan State. Sometimes yeah. this year they got into it in yeah. the locker room or yeah. like, well, okay, you guys took it too far there. Yeah. yeah. Cops are being called. Yeah, like, my thing with that whole situation is what's that guy doing there by himself for Michigan? What's he doing there all the way up in the, all the, way up in the tunnel that deep? Like, he must have been jawing off. I'm not condoning that the Michigan State player should have done that, what he did, but yeah. kind of had it coming. Like, you're rolling, do- like rolling deep. You just got, they just whooped your, they just, you know, beat their butt. Like, why would you talk more trash by yourself? Like, why would you put yourself in that situation? But. It's like, me. it's like the game within the game, but when the, the main game's over, it's like, all right, time yeah. to take the foot off the gas. And if you yeah. don't, things like that probably happen. Exactly. It's generally, there's a general rule of thumb, general rule of thumb is, um, you know, leave it on the field. Yeah. Regardless of whatever happened on the field. And once you walk off the field, it's, you know, it, you just kind of, you have to compartmentalize that part. It's like, you know, that just was happening on the field. And, you know, there's parts where there's something that gets, you know, beyond the line if you got to take it on the field regardless or on or off the field like there's things that happen there yeah, yeah that's true but uh but for the most part you know you try to leave it on the field in general particularly you have to do that this part especially like if you want to be in a good team with practice and all that stuff and because practice can get more intense than the actual game because you're going to the same personal especially in camp yeah same people all the time and tired seeing their face and it's just you get real honorary, so you have to make you have to make sure that uh, I actually had a teammate of mine uh, break another guy teammate's mind's jaw like after practice because it brought him <laughs> off the field. Wow. Yeah. So you know it can happen. It does happen. We're all human beings and all that stuff. But for the most part, yeah. I believe it, man. I can only imagine. Wow. So you did four years uh, all through high school, correct? Or did you go yeah. off and on? No, four years all in high school. Okay. So at what point did you say, hey, this is something that actually can take me to college? Were you thinking about um, college period at that point? Or was it because, hey, the way I'm playing it, this is actually something that could get me into a uh, bigger school? Mm, 
What do you mean bigger school? Like like transfer to a bigger school? Whether if or you want to go out of state because you went to University of Washington. I did, so yes. to me, that's a big school. Okay. I mean, Pac ten school, gotcha, you know, major yeah. university, big football team. Okay. Uh, maybe compared to let's say uh, if you want to go to a junior college to start out, you're not really really sure. So for me, going to a big school like like that is like okay, that's like a cream of the crop. Yeah. Uh, were you always, did you always have ambitions to get to a school like that? Or was it through football that you're like, hey, this might take me there? Or did football even matter? Did you just stop and then you kind of just walked into the team there? Mm, as far as being, going, I didn't really think that it was a possibility until honestly, probably like my senior year, junior, about my senior year. Like I would get letters and whatnot, and that's cool. And we always had people that, get letters in high school you'd see that a lot of times but you know you never saw the end result as mm. far as you know them signing the actual scholarship or stuff like that and it's a number of things not just because of talent because we have, I have guys that are way more talented than me that you know you know for whatever reason it just didn't pan out but uh, with me it was more I started taking the recruiting trips when I actually went you know taking flights and like oh, okay this is actually my first one in Washington State actually gave me a scholarship they offered a scholarship, uh, my for my recruiting trip, my first trip. So I was like, okay, I guess at least we go to Wazoo, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> if anything else, but I fortunately took all five of my trips and then ended up going to UW. But um, it wasn't like a lifelong dream to play college football, even professional football. I just kind of just been actually blessed. Um, things just dominoes just fell in the right place, and just um, it happened for me for sure. Wow. Mm -hmm. So did you have, did you feel like you had the, the traditional or typical high school football rivalries? Because your rivalry at the time was Sarah High School, correct? Sarah High School. No, it was uh, Burlingame High School. Burlingame was the yeah. big one. All Burlingame right. was a big rival. That's a big rivalry. I want to say, I think it probably beat them um, once out of my four years. It's just unfortunate. That was <laughs> that rivalry has actually gotten out of hand, Burlingames. We have, we have some catching up to do. I, I, I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> Look at that. Uh, how many guys on your team actually went to the league with you? From high school? From high school. Uh, none, actually. I want to say I had about four teammates that went uh, college level, that played college. But uh, it's it's a crazy, like, it's 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 crazy how small the number is as far as, like, how many people are in high school and how that filters out to, to, the, to, the, to the professional level. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, at least here, there's other schools where this powerhousing is different nowadays because they have schools and transfers and all that stuff in high school and academies and all that stuff. But, you know, just a authentic, organic way as far as, like, you know, Foster City's not a small town because it's in the Bay Area, but, I mean, it's kind of a small town compared to, like, some places, like, it's, well, I guess Texas is pretty some small town well, in Texas. But, but dude, yeah. but places in the South, like, within the SEC conference, so yeah. all the schools down there, it's like a religion. Like, this yeah. is how we're preparing you. Yeah. It's like, it's this on a like, different level. It's your only way out, for sure. Exactly, exactly. Or even, like, Los Angeles. Los Angeles, they put out a lot of players, too. Yeah, true. Uh, Bay Area puts out a lot of, like, Northern California, we put out a lot of players. It's just not from one, one consistent school. It's not like a modern day or... Or something like that. I wouldn't say the closest school that we probably have is like probably Sarah, obviously. De La Salle probably puts them out. De La Salle, yeah. That. De La Salle puts them out. Antioch, I think, does too. Yeah. You were, so you were playing when they had that long winning streak, like yeah. 200 some odd games. Yeah, that was De crazy. La Salle was playing. Like, I was like, how's that even possible that you go that many games? Right? And, you know, it's like they're not but, playing anybody. That's why. But they're playing it? good players. They're good. They're playing good teams for sure. Uh, do you have any uh, stories playing against Tom Brady? You know what? I didn't play against Tom Brady in high school. I actually played with him in the Senior Bowl, 
and I think he played in the East-West Shrine. I can't remember if he played in the East-West Shrine game or not. But uh, I always had, I had a buddy of mine, Mike Hanchett. He went to Sarah High School, and he grew up with me like in the same neighborhood. And he would always talk about Brady this, Brady that, and how good Brady's this, Brady. Like ever since like freshman year, I was like, <laughs> all right, bro. Like, I, you know, like get off the guy's jock. But, um, <laughs> but then, you know, I met him at a couple house parties. Got a, he, at the time, I think he got a full-ride scholarship to Sarah, which – we didn't really get too many players. We had about, I think out of all my high school areas, we had about, I'd say about five or six people that go like Division One scholarships. So around my time, but, you know, that's, it wasn't really a, a all the time thing. So, okay, it's, this is what D1 quarterback looks like, you know. Honestly, I wasn't really, honestly, <laughs> I wasn't really impressed when I first saw him. I was like, you know, but he was like 6'6", six, six, dude. He's, he's a pretty tall dude, but then when I saw him in senior year, I was like, okay. Like in a senior year at the senior bowl and all that stuff, and I saw why you know what he does, and guy's a hell of a leader, man. Like it's he's just like one of the uh, one of the dudes, one of the boys. Like with quarterbacks, you either have quarterbacks I think that are good leaders that are just one of the dudes. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying, but sometimes quarterbacks have all this responsibility put on their shoulders, like leader of the team, all this, and it goes to their head, good or bad way. But they kind of feel like sometimes they have to get this responsibility, like they have to be upper middle management. Compared right. to the CEO, compared to the, compared to the coach, that would be like a, a coach light pretty much. Mm-hmm. But Brady's just one of the dudes, and I'm saying holds people accountable. When I saw that, and even in their senior bowl, holding people accountable uh, to plays and stuff like that. And but you know, still goofing off and having a good time and whatnot. But when it's time to get serious, got serious. When time to goof off, goofed off. But yeah, that's it's, awesome, man. It's, I didn't see him playing. You know, I didn't see. Him being, you know, what, nine, seven Super Bowls? Yeah, so yeah, back then you didn't see that guy's gonna get a full uh, <laughs> handful of rings, right? Handful of rings in like 20 years in the league. I didn't see that at all, but, but yeah, even back then, just the, the idea of staying 20 years in the league, unless you're a punter, you just don't think like, yeah, who stays in the league 20 years? Yeah, it's for just, sure, dude. It's crazy, man. So, how about uh, University of Washington? Once you get there, um, obviously everything's just much more because uh, you're dealing with, with the Pac 10 schools, so. Yeah. Everything and they, they got guys coming in from all over the country playing on yeah. the team. How was that dynamic when you first got there? How things are different than they were at the high school level, dude? First practice, I thought I, I seriously questioned if football was for me. Mm. My first time ever in my life, because wow. not so much. I mean, it was only freshman practice too, because because uh, I want to say the first three days is pretty much pra- uh, practice with just the, the incoming freshmen, so you get used to like the routine and all that stuff, but. The coach I had was all smiles and, you know, we want you Jabari and all this stuff. Turned, <laughs> turned it to another level once I got to the field, once he had me there. It's like, who is this coach that, where's the coach that was, you know, <laughs> smooth, was uh, recruiting me and, and then making me feel, you know, like I'm the man. It's like, you, you, Coach Hart didn't talk bad or anything like that. He just, he expected a lot out of you. Which, yeah. But, man, it's like, oh, my God, this is, like, the, the intensity was, I'd say high school games probably, like, I'd probably say like it's a seven, but even practice in college was like an 11. Compared. Yeah, it was crazy, dude. <laughs> wow. And then so then you add in like, I'm 18, but then you have 22-year-old men, you know, that are starting and whatnot and been in a college weight room program for however long. I didn't even have a weight room. I had decent weights, but I didn't lift weights like some of these, you know, like maybe Aragon had a better, way better weight room than we did mm-hmm. at San Mateo. So I didn't really lift weights seriously until I got my freshman year into in college. So, but, wow. 
Yeah, you're dealing with like an actual full-on like weightlifting facility, mm-hmm. athletic training. You're like, oh, I didn't even know all these things existed. Exactly. And exactly. Then how's that pressure like to just compete with the rest of the guys? Do you have like, do you go there every day thinking, hey, if I don't perform, they're gonna take away my scholarship or that I'm not gonna get the opportunity? You get? A, are you thinking? You put all that that pressure on your shoulders at the time? I didn't. Not really. I didn't really. No, I didn't put my my pressure because honestly. My game plan was just to, you know, redshirt my freshman year, you know what I'm saying, get stronger because I think that was like my major thing I needed to work on during mm-hmm. that freshman year and then, you know, come back freshman or redshirt freshman year and, and you know, just contribute. But apparently they saw it differently because the first game, I'm, first game gets Arizona State, I'm thinking I'm still redshirt. I'm still traveling with the team, so I did good enough that way. And then all of a sudden I'm in the game, like, hey, Jabari, you going in? Because it's like I want to say – it was probably about a hundred degrees. I'd say about ninety-eight degrees at night. <laughs> so, kids, I mean, guys are cramping up left and right. And yeah. Jabari, you're in. Like, what do you mean you're like, I'm in? I'm supposed to be redshirting. So, um, I didn't. I didn't have. I didn't put a bunch of pressure on myself like that. I just because I came in through thing like I said, I was going to redshirt, so it wasn't that much pressure. But then, uh, um, I would say more pressure to performance probably gradually towards. I want to say my senior year mm-hmm. just because of I had a really good junior year and I probably could have left my junior year, but I wanted to, you know, better my, my draft status. Gotcha. So then I put more pressure on myself that way. Uh, can you explain to everybody exactly what red shirting means? Uh, just so everybody has an understanding. Hey, when you redshirt, this is what it is. Okay. What do there. So typically there's uh, four years of eligibility mm-hmm. and uh, for typical, you know, typical college path. But you can get a red shirt. Most teams, most athletes can get at least one year where it's more or less to get acclimated to the college, um, to the college speed. So either lift with lifting weights or um, just getting the playbook or whatever, whatnot. So typically you can get five years. Mm-hmm. So long as you want to get, I want to say the rules change, but I think nowadays you can play up to, I want to say three games. Your freshman year, and then after that, you can declare a red shirt still, um, which some teams do. Gotcha. Um, or you can get a medical red shirt, which is you know you play maybe three or four games, you can, but you have to like apply for those. But gotcha. for a general general red shirt, that's just pretty much a year to get allocated to the college lifestyle and speed. So you're basically just like okay, it's a not a free year, but a year where you can like take your time, get everything used to it. But you're still with with the team, you get an idea, but oh, yeah. you're not expected to say, "Hey, guess what? You're starting tomorrow." Exactly, exactly, okay. for sure. Gotcha. So how do you, this is one thing that comes up with with a lot of college athletes is you have to work so hard just just to stay on on the team. Mm-hmm. You're not putting in forty hours; you're probably putting in like sixty, seventy hours yeah. in the weight room, the playbooks, the meetings. Yeah. How do you balance that with your academics, and how how much of a emphasis do they really place on it at least back then compared mm-hmm. to maybe how they do it now uh it's, you have to get good at time management that's what i tell either my daughter she played uh she played uh soccer she played sports in, in high school and she has some aspirations to play in college and just whoever i play whoever i talk to that wants to uh play at the next level of, of college like you know you have to get your time management skills because you have to make sure that you know, you're getting your grades, you make sure you're at, you know, at practice on time and at all these other places. But you also want to have a life, too. And if you don't have good time management skills, you're not going to you're going to hate it because you're either studying or you're lifting weights or you're practicing and you have no time for yourself or one of those things is going to fall off. So definitely it's a time management thing. And this is at a time where the student athletes couldn't make any money through their 
the fact they were student athlete. And now with the, the rules are changed. I think they're still trying to figure out how that works, yeah. how student athletes can get compensated. But yeah. weightlifting, meetings, actually playing the games, mm-hmm. plus your academics, plus you may you don't have any money, so you have to work a part time job probably just to yeah. make ends meet. Yeah, I mean that's like and recovery from like the game, you have to like ice and all that stuff, and for exactly. The next week. Yeah, and then oh by the way, if there's a party on Saturday. I'd like to go out and get out of this whole lifestyle. I mean, yeah. so that's a lot to balance, and a lot of this people don't people don't realize that you don't realize that in high school because you mm-hmm. just can't process it. Yeah, and when you're older, you're thinking, oh, how come they, they couldn't figure it out back then? It's like it's a lot to put on somebody's plate. It's total, especially like 18, 17, 19, or seventeen. 19 20 year old kids like I mean I I know they're technically an adult but still kids at that age man yeah it's crazy and you did that for four years did that for four years yeah gotcha so man that's that's incredible at what point did you say that the NFL draft was even a possibility um I'd say my after my junior year because I had about I think eight or nine sacks at my position was kind of a lot for defensive tackle at that spot I want to say some feelers had me out at third round pick going into my junior year. Mm. But was that ever a goal going into UW? Because some guys is like, hey, my dream is to get into the league. I'm just happy to be there, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Happy to be there. Don't have to pay for no no college education or anything like that. Just make sure I get some kind of diploma out of this thing is my deal because my parents would not have it if I was just if I failed out or didn't graduate with this tremendous opportunity. Did you did you finish your four years at more? Did you get your degree at the time, but before leaving, you had to go back and finish it. Oh, uh, before I left. That's that's a rare, isn't it? It's very rare. I generally went to summer school. I would say I went to summer school every year except for my freshman year. Fresh freshman and going into sophomore year, I came back home for about six months, or whatever, or right. three months, whatever. Well, props to you for doing that. I mean, you hear so many stories of athletes who go and they get like maybe a year's worth of college. They yeah. get drafted and then they never go back to finish it. Yeah. And for you to get it done pretty much before you get drafted, that's yeah. that's, that's awesome. That's man. up to my parents because they've they've the ones that really instilled the edu- importance of education because average lifespan in football NFL is three years and that's mm-hmm. doing solid. So did you even know that stat before you were thinking about the draft that, hey, yeah, NFL players. It's not. It's not a twenty-year career. Yeah, Russia, Tom Brady. Yeah, this, this is like you know you're gonna be in it for a couple of years, have a great time, and then adios. After that point, did you know that going into it? I would say generally, yeah. It started. It, it started coming around more often. I think that's that kind of popped up right around when I was you know getting ready for the NFL. Not because of you know that's what I was speaking, but I want to say that more and more people start talking about that and they start noticing that. It's like yeah, it's three years. Like holy cow, kind of like almost how there's a stat most NFL games. The differentials like within three three points yeah that's kind of like a newer thing that people start paying attention to it's kind of same mm-hmm. thing with with uh with the years of average career in football is gotcha yeah so your last year so your senior year is you're getting ready to go get yourself ready for the nfl draft mm-hmm. how how were you ramping up your routine saying okay i have to make sure i hit all the, the these markers here were you able to take it up another notch were you really get on yourself saying hey my numbers aren't there yet it was kind of difficult I hate using excuses, but um, coach got fired, so I had to change. Got a whole new coach, whole new scheme, and a whole new kind of position type philosophy type scheme. Um, I went from an aggressive attack style defense, which is more like uh, we were like a forty six bear front actually, which is like old school Chicago Bears. So it's pretty much just get penetration up the field as much as possible and let. Let the let the offense kind of figure out how to get past all these bodies. That's gotcha. kind of how our defense was. 
Um, but then we went to a three, four where my position was more to, um, engage with the tackle and kind of two gap and let the linebackers kind of clean up everything else. Mm-hmm. So my numbers were drastically down, <laughs> um, particularly that because I want to say for a three, four more of the outside linebackers are going to get more of their edge rushing as opposed to when I was like, when I was playing the D tackles or the ends, they would get more of the rushing towards the passer. But uh, he lived here, there was, I definitely had pressure. I want to say was performing. I want to say earlier in my senior year, um, I wasn't performing as I wanted to. And then uh, things started finding clicking and started to get my groove later on in the year. Mm. Uh, did go from a third round pick probably to a, to a six round pick. So didn't go quite as planned. Um, if I probably, if I was honest, I probably would have left my junior year, uh, knowing what I know now. But then again, you know, if I thought that way, you know, I'd probably get dropped to another team, uh, you know, meet somebody else, or there's this whole other things that I would be missing out on if I, you know, did leave my junior year. So I'm glad I stuck it out. You know, the, the interesting thing about what you just, just said that nobody ever thinks about is that. Uh, something is well not simple but something as small as the coach getting fired and a mm-hmm. new guy coming in saying we're going to change things, things up uh yeah. you were at a base four three defense throughout your first three years correct yeah so for, for people out there that don't know it basically means there's four guys on the defensive line and then mm-hmm. three people in the back meaning three linebackers so when you have four guys on the line there's a better chance that you're going to get through to get the sacks to mm-hmm. get the stops whatever when you Sorry. go to a three four there's now three guys on the line and four linebackers so your job is pretty much like you said I need to clear a path, if you will, for the linebackers. So exactly. they're the ones who are now getting the bigger stats. Like, exactly. oh, that linebacker got how many sacks? Like, he must be the best thing <laughs> to slice bread. It's like, yeah, how do you think he got to the line? Because so-and-so. Because I'm at the bodies, for exactly. sure. <laughs> so you're right. You know, Had you known what you know, and if you would have gone in your junior year, your numbers at the time would have been like, oh, this guy is like maybe totally. a late first rounder or whatever. Totally. I mean, hindsight's always twenty twenty, but mm-hmm. you, you, now that you can see the bigger picture, like maybe things happen for a reason. Mm-hmm. But it's easy at that age to just kind of get on yourself saying, hey, you know, man, because of A, B, and C, uh, mm-hmm. this is the reason why my numbers didn't do well. And then you could go on that whole, you know, sort of woe is me, Pat, but you didn't do it. You're yeah. like, hey, you know what? This is the way it is. My numbers are down compared to what they were mm-hmm. last year or what they could have been, but yeah. I'm happy with my performance. Mm-hmm. I did the best thing that I that I, I could, and I'm happy with where I'm at. So how, how was your experience going through the combine? Or did you do the combine? Did went through the combine. Combine was wild. It was almost like a... It's almost like a slave auction, if I'll be honest. Like, has us in our underwear. They were videotaping us uh, doing squats and stuff like that in our underwear. Not underwear, but, like, shorts and no shirt. Uh, had doctors prying at your hands and all that stuff. Uh, people asking all kind of questions. They weren't really doing too much of the uh, asking stupid questions to piss you off type thing just yet. Mm. Like, But I never really had any issues coming out as far as, like, anger issues or outburst issues or anything like that. Uh, 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 control issues or anything like that uh, coming out so there's no really no flag on me for that so if I had that kind of impulse control issue maybe coming out of high school or coming out of college they might have been asking me questions that like about like my mom and, and stuff like personal questions that just see if they get a rise out of me but I'm pretty chill dude so I didn't get those questions um, well by the way before I forget that's so important because going back to just the college lifestyle balancing everything with, with time on top of that 
you got to keep your own act together because if people start saying, Hey, you know, this guy's a hothead or, you know, mm-hmm. he's going to lash out, whatever. Yeah. When you go to the combine and these NFL teams are going to spend big money on you. Yeah. It, they're, they're doing a full background check. They're talking to neighbors and friends and neighbors. Hey, how was he? Whatever. And yeah. like, they get deep into your life. People oh, yeah. don't realize that. It's not oh, yeah. just what's his numbers on paper. It's a okay. full blown FBI report pretty much. So yeah. To like, I mean, if you get hired, if, especially even the first round picks, the first round picks, cause that's especially back then. Cause I want to say after, I want to say two years after I, uh, got drafted. Who was it? Sam Darnold, probably like the last big name quarterback to get like a fresh or a rookie to get like big. Because before, back then, rookies would get like like eight year veteran salary or eight year veteran contracts just without playing mm. a lick of college. So I want to say Sam Darnold got like not Sam Darnold, but uh, Stafford, Matt Stafford got like like fifty million or something like that, thirty million just before he even like took a snap NFL snap. But that was like a big thing with the NFLPA is like, why are you guys paying? Why is all this resource, these uh, salary cap resources going towards this freshman that's never played before or this rookie that's never played before? So they made some adjustments. But back then, like, yeah. So especially going back to your saying, like, like rookie quarterbacks would get big time money, like $30 million signing bonus and stuff like that. And so they definitely have to make sure they got a great background check, make sure they're getting the right guy, you know, so. Jeez, I mean, looking back on it, you got, God, what was that? I forgot his name, the guy from Texas, quarterback, uh, Money. Oh, Johnny Manziel? Manziel, yeah. Manziel, for sure. It's like, you think, okay, you don't. I can see the red flags, and I don't even go to Texas, and I don't know anything that these NFL scouts do. I see the red flags, but yeah. apparently it's like, you take that that juggle. Well, you know, I mean, maybe, but he's, the town's so good, so we're just yeah, going to pay him. And then if you just win, be, hey, if, if you're a winner, like you can get away with you can get with a lot you can get away with a lot more things. So is the way of the world. You're right. If you're mm-hmm. winning, we'll just look the other way with everything. Mm-hmm. Or you know, we'll put like the Michael Vick thing that he got in trouble trouble for. It's like exactly. well, if you're playing, you're winning. We're just gonna kind of mm-hmm. you know whatever. exactly. They see the dollar signs at the end of the day. Exactly, exactly. It's, like, it's capitalism, baby. Man, like, <laughs> it's basically what it is. Yeah. If you money, if you make me more money than you're worth than your trouble, then okay, I'll let it pass. Like look at me, like Antonio Brown, like oh, that guy, man. I mean. I, he was on a podcast not too long ago, the PBD podcast, and it's like I couldn't even listen to the whole thing. I mean, he's just going off on some random weird tangent. Like, dude, you just it's like Kanye West. It's like I don't know what world you guys are in, man, but mm-hmm. it just you're not you definitely aren't making yourself look any look right. any better. But you know, but Kanye West makes some great music. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he makes great great music. Antonio you know? Brown plays some great football, so I get a little more of a laugh. Like you know, if it had it been you know Kanye way bef- you know before his first album. Yeah. Like, who's this guy? And probably wouldn't give him time of day. The same thing with uh, AB, but, you know, he, great talent. and He's a great talent. But I think what was his last game he played for the Jets or whoever it was. Against the Jets, he was playing against the Jets, and then he just Tampa decided, Bay. Tampa Bay, that's yeah. what it was. And just said, you know what? I'm done. Take my helmet off. I'm going to the locker room. It's like, yeah. man, you don't do that. But, yeah. you know, if you're Antonio Brown, you can get away with it, then, hey, yeah. you know, up to you. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's going to come back to bite you. Some other team that may have wanted you, but like, I just don't want to deal with yeah. the headache. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to deal with it. <laughs> get burned. If you burn them enough times for sure. Like, but, I mean, how many passes has he gotten, though? I mean, yeah, he cussed out uh, old boy at the Raiders. What Gruden? Gruden, and I think he cussed out the uh, the the GM too on the practice over some helmet, some some nonsense. Bounced another team. He had some issues in in uh, Pittsburgh, but jeez, he just had you know had the talents. Like you know, we'll take a risk on that. I mean, I'll try to rein that in for a Super Bowl because. Yeah, that's I the mean, ultimate decision. That's the ultimate thing that everybody's trying to get to. So I get it. I guess I, I get it definitely. Uh, going back to the combine, so you you just basically talked about how it's what do you call it? like like a slave? It was thing? almost an auction, pretty much. Yeah, slave Jeez. auction almost felt like. 
man, it's like almost like you're just another like random piece here. Okay, this is number three stats. This is his. Yeah. Life. This is how he did on the jump or on the forty yard yeah. dash, whatever. Uh, did you feel you had a good outcome in the combine? You know what? Uh, going back to my junior, my junior, my junior, I tried to graduate. Well, I did graduate. I tried to graduate and train for the combine all in the same same time. Right. So when I was, so I did a lot of um, flying back and forth. So I felt that I felt I did, I could have done better. I did put some, I put some pretty good numbers up for like you know my size and all that stuff. But I probably could have done better if I had just focused solely on the combine training. Like there are exercises out there, drills out there I didn't practice for. Gotcha. That I could have done. Like <laughs> if I had just done that, if I would just practice, I probably had a way better time. But you know, say la vie, it happens. But I got, you, my, got my diploma, so that's the that's the big thing right there. Mm-hmm. Something you can carry with you beyond your days in football. Exactly. Did you already have an idea who was looking at you back then or plethora of teams? Mm. Had a couple, had a good feeling for a couple of them. I want to say I knew the Cardinals. They, they they drafted me, but they called me in for the combine. Who else talked to me? Niners talked to me. Um, I forgot who else talked to me. I want to say Tampa Bay also talked to me. So there's a few teams out there that talked to me, but uh, as far as like it's a crapshoot. As far as like knowing, like for me anyway, like right. if you're top five pick, yeah, I mean. So you don't really get a, get a sense at those at those interviews. Hey, this is where they kind of feel for me, at, or they're just they're just kind of getting basic information. Like I have no idea what they're gonna do. Uh, this. For me, it wasn't. <laughs> Some people might, but for me, like I mean, for like I said, it's a six round pick. So I mean, they didn't probably put too many resources towards you know looking into my background and all that stuff. But is that where you projected before the actual draft that you were gonna be a six rounder? Uh, fourth through six, something like that. Fourth through six. So, all right. Yeah. So when you're in that, I mean, still, to me, it's you're still getting getting drafted. Yeah, for it sure. It just means you're like um, number a hundred. I'm totally grateful. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. So you, what number pick were you? I forget what number pick I was. I know I was before Brady. That's the only thing. I know. <laughs> you that's still my, hold that over that's his my head. Claim, that's my claim to fame. I'm before we got drafted before Brady. Look so. at that. That's awesome, man. <laughs> got to have something, man. <laughs> yeah. and, but it changes for you as you go through the the rounds, right? In terms of your contract of what you're allowed to get paid. Is that yeah. how it works? Yeah, it's more of a um, yeah. First rounders get you know probably a couple mil probably now, but I think back then they probably got like three or four mil first round. Uh. Unless you're like the top ten pick, or top top ten picks got a lot, but then it kind of just got tiered off. I want to say third round, second round picks probably got close to a couple mil. Third round picks probably got close to a mil altogether. Then fourth is probably about like three quarters. Fifth, sixth, seventh is pretty much like three quarters all the way down to like 180, 100, about 180 thousand, something like that. Gotcha. All right. Something like that back then, like 2,000 numbers. So during the draft, did you guys have a party at home? Or no, 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 no. I, I was low key, dude. Oh, yeah, I was low key. Like, I, I was trying to be there and just not get drafted and all these eyes. That, that's not how I operate. I can't. Uh, so. I can only imagine like that the people who think they're going in the first round, you know, they like the NFL, mm. they have the cameras at the house yeah. with everybody with the banners yeah. and they're waiting for the hand. And then they're like, oh, that guy that um, he had, they showed him having, having a party, but then his yeah. name didn't get called. Are we going to go back to see the yeah, that party's that? not jumping as much as it was when we first started? I'm cool on that, bro. No, I'm doing that. That wasn't even a thought, dude. So who called you from the Cardinals? It was, uh, it was a head coach, uh, not the head coach. Uh, was that Denny Green at the time? No, it was Dave McGinnis. It wasn't even it wasn't even him. It was the my because my first coach, he got fired halfway through the season when we played the Cowboys because Emmett Smith put like 
210 yards on the ground on us and got beat. It was, I think he got a 50 burger put on us. Jeez. So we got, <laughs> it, was, it was in Dallas. It was bad. So he got fired midway season. Then uh, Dave McGinnis took over halfway, and then he was my coach for his second season with the Cardinals. I want to say I talked to the, G, I talked to the GM. I forget who it was. Uh, and then I talked to the head coach. And I talked to uh, Joe Green, actually. Me and Joe Green. He was my, actually, position coach. Which Joe was, Green was coaching the... Yeah, he was, he, was, he, was my, he was my position coach. So that was really cool. Wow, that's yeah. awesome! I didn't, I didn't even think that he was ever a coach. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, he was a head coach there. I forget where else. I forgot where else he was a head coach at, or I mean, position coach at. But yeah, he was a cool, dude, man. He's, <laughs> did you uh, interact? Did you do that whole was it Pepsi commercial with them? Nah, <laughs> <laughs> nah. <laughs> Just curious. <laughs> so that would have been awesome. But uh, so you get the phone call. Are you on the plane that same day to Tempe? Mm, or I'll Phoenix? say that next day or the next day. If it's next day and you have like a press conference and all that stuff with all the draft picks. Um, it's way more into it now than it was back then mm. as far as just um, as far as all the media uh, requirements and all that stuff and gotcha. all the hoopla around it and all the um, content uh, content creating about it. Around yeah, it. I know it's, now. It's way more intense than it is back then. Well, was, so what was going through your mind? Are you thinking, oh my God, I got drafted. I'm playing for the Cardinals. Are you thinking about the money? Or like, are you thinking about I was glad I just got drafted, dude. Got drafted and tried to make the team, man. That's awesome. You know, that's pretty much start start there. <laughs> um, I, I wanted to go to first, you know, maybe third round, fourth round. I was a little disappointed in myself with that, but it's like, hey, Jabari, you got drafted, bro. So Yeah, you, know? you got, exactly. Yeah. So, for a lot of people who, who don't know the actual NFL contracting part of it, you get down there and, you, and you're excited you, you got drafted. They pretty much, what do they do? They bring you in the room and say, okay, here's a stack of papers. Do they assign you an agent? Do they say, hey, hope you have a representation because someone's got to go through all this paperwork yeah. for you? How does that work? So with, uh, with, with, with the NFL, it's almost like the agent part is almost like getting recruited by a D1 school back in high school. So, mm. which is another at added caveat as far as my senior year um like you have all these agents call on you like they can't talk to you like as far as it's kind of weird they can't talk to rick because there's rules involved and all that stuff but you know they can like you know just call and say how's how's going this and that and try to influence your decision that way but once after the your last game like your bowl game then they can you know talk to you and all that stuff so you get recruited pretty hard um as far as for agent wise um, I went with Lee Steinberg. That's a big name. Yeah, it was a big name for sure. It was uh, Joby Brannion and Dave Dunn. They were uh, UCLA and the Duke dude. And then they assigned with them. Um, I figured that would probably leverage, probably do a better job leveraging as far as contracts because NFL, kind of with I, I, the way I perceived it anyway, is that you know sometimes you know with a bigger agent you can get some more leverage especially if you're like a lower round pick that you know help me on this round with this guy help me out. we'll scratch your back on the one of the other contract type stuff um so that's why i chose a bigger agent um but you do lose something in that as far as bigger agency means like they have more people to to to, to appease i guess you know so yeah. your attention is not as great especially if you're not a you know top round pick or anything like that but um, I went with them, so you pay, you have to find your own agent if you want if you want to be represented. You don't have to have an agent, but it's strongly recommended. Um, there is a, a bucking trend as far as a couple other players like Sherman. He went he uh, Richard Sherman and I think Bobby Wagner got their own. Lamar Jackson has his own uh, representations representing himself. 
Suffer. Okay. So there's a there's definitely a trend, um, but right now it doesn't. The rule of th- I think the reason why they're um, negotiating their sales, especially especially if you're like a rookie, like it's all slotted now. So you don't really need an agent as far as, I mean, you might need it for like other things like maybe social media or getting other things, social media or shoe, shoe deals and stuff like that. But as far as um, signing stuff as a rookie, you don't really need an agent, honestly. So um, if they give you a contract, like, I mean, it's, it's not a page long, right? I mean, it's like, it's probably like this uh, thick It's a couple thick, yeah. It's a couple thick yeah. and you have to, they have all these clauses in there. Like I couldn't like snowboard, ski board, ride a motorcycle, stuff like that. Well, they wouldn't. That was back then. I mean, I'm sure. I'm pretty sure it's worse now. Like, oh, for sure. The guys sure. getting in trouble doing stupid stuff. Yeah, for sure. Especially if social media now too. So if you could probably even get caught, like I think before, if you got hurt as a result of being on those things, it's avoiding your contract. But nowadays, you probably get caught doing those things on. It'll probably be avoiding your contract. So do you? How do you process that 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 contract? Did you just give it to your agent saying, "Hey, agent, what do you think?" And he says, "Yeah, sign for here, sign part, here." Yeah, for the okay. most part. Yeah. See, it's on, so if you. Unless you're like you went to law school and you're, mm-hmm. you're comfortable sitting there with the glasses, like all right, one page by one. Oh, this means this. Let's. It's a. It's all personality type. Like my personality type's not that type to yeah. do that. And I was on paying the agent three percent, but uh, but other people, some people will do that. You know. Gotcha. And probably me now, I probably do that as a forty-five year old person. A forty-five year old person. <laughs> was there room there to negotiate back then? Even a little bit about hey, can we work with this or? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, maybe in signing bonus or maybe years. Probably the two biggest things, but probably, probably a little bit more of a signing bonus. Gotcha. And NFL contracts, then they weren't guaranteed, correct? Or they still no. aren't, I believe. They are getting more guaranteed, fully guaranteed, but not rookie contracts. I want to say like second contracts. And that's, I want to say that's more or less of like what takes so long with these deals is they want more full, full guaranteed money. Gotcha. Um, or they want shorter years. Either That's, I think... That's, I think that's probably the biggest negotiating thing is like if you want guaranteed money, the team probably wants more years out of you mm-hmm. or vice or something like that. And then that's why I think that's where the big uh, the, the big friction is at. It's like the LeBron James thing. I'll sign a one and one. I'll give you one year with an option for another. <laughs> and then, but if you're at his level, you can do whatever you yeah, want. Exactly. They're just going to pay you. Exactly. Exactly. So, so once you get through all the contracting thing, what's life like just starting your first season, preseason at least, through the uh, Arizona Cardinals in terms of how different – College was a big difference from, from high school just in terms of the work ethic and yeah. or in what you have to see. How did the NFL step it up beyond that? The fishbowl just gets the fishbowl just gets smaller and smaller, man, with the talent level, dude. It's like gee, like I was pretty decent in Pac ten and Pac twelve, but man, it's a whole other animal out there as far as the NFL, dude. Like uh I was talking to one of my buddies about just tears of like uh like he was talking about how he went to a camp. Uh, he went to play his, his coach, our coach, our high school coach said, hey, if you want to play, you know, high school ball, you need to go down here to this camp and, you know, see if this is if you're about it, if this is, you know, your your if this is your future or whatnot. And he said he was he was pretty he was severely humbled as far as that. And another buddy of mine, same thing is like, yes. And like sports, especially NFL, or just sports in general, definitely humbling. And so I, I was thinking of uh, John Runyon. He was off of the tackle for the Philadelphia uh, Philadelphia Eagles at the mm-hmm. time that he just uh, if I'll be honest dude like he was he, he was I was his bitch dude if I'll be honest dude <laughs> like John running like I, no problem whatever he wanted dude and then but then on the next level Michael Strahan like he was Michael Strahan's bitch was like oh that's how much better Michael Strahan is that's what a 
how much better a Hall of Famer mm. is to me. It's, it's crazy how the tiers are as far as even within like you know the football, you know, crime to crime, it's still deeper levels, you know, as far as uh, what you're going up against and all that stuff. Is it just raw natural talent? Like the guy's five inches taller than me, or he's just naturally thirty pounds heavy, or is it literally the the guy who's the guys who are at the top are just the way that they train, the way that their mindset is, it's on a different level that either I don't want to get to or I just I can't get to. It's a mixture. I mean, some raw natural talent, obviously, like raw strength um, is definitely helps, but you can get it any other way. You can be a smart player, smart players that know they know their limitations, know they have to be smarter, um, fast players. I mean, it's a lot easier when you have that natural talent, but yeah. it doesn't get you all the way. It doesn't get you natural talents that get you, you know, to 10 years. You know, it doesn't get you to natural talent. Like, if you're just, like, one of the top athletes and this and that, it'll get you, I'd say, five years if you are not just a complete waste of space, you know. Gotcha. But, I mean, you're decent. You're starting. They'll probably get you five, six years. But if you want to get, like, 10, 12 years and, you know, all that stuff, you have to be smarter. You have to take care of your body better. You have to stretch. You have to be more serious. It's definitely professional, man. It's like that's the biggest difference between, like, I'd say between, college football and NFL football, it's professional. Like, it's legit professional. Same way as, like, I don't know, say you're a, I don't know, like a teacher's assistant or something like that. Or, mm-hmm. well, just just professional. Just, you know, you, you're buttoned up. You, you take your, you, it's your job, you know. So you definitely have to look at it, that aspect if you plan on lasting that long. It's still a game, don't get me wrong, but it's a job as far as. Yeah. It's like this puts food on my family's table. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can go out and have a good time and party and all that stuff, but you better be able to perform. Gotcha. Uh, you better do your job. And if you can if you can do it, you know, good for you. If you can't, you better figure out how you can, you know, like make this thing last because yeah. you're good money. I, I yeah, exactly. That's what I got to tell you guys are making some good money. For real. So for your typical fan that uh, just cares about the, the team winning, if the team's not winning, they you know, like typical fans, they'll they'll blame a player or they'll blame the, the coach. Yeah. But in reality it's a lot more complicated than, than just simply that guy didn't do his job or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Like that game you're telling with the Emmett Smith ran down your guys' throats for yeah. two hundred plus yards and you they put up a fifty spot on you. Yeah. Like, you know, that's not you know, a, the Cowboys at the time, I mean, I'm not a Cowboy fan, so I shouldn't say this, but I guess they were kind of good. <laughs> They're all right. They're all right. Um, you know, that's part of the, the reason there, too. But talk about what goes on behind the scenes and the team. Like, if the team is not performing well, is it usually because there's a morale issue, maybe from either management or the coaching staff, or maybe there's rumors that, hey, we're going to just, you know, blow this whole team up next year, and everybody's like, well, screw it. Or does it come down to maybe guys just aren't on the same page like we know our jobs but we're not looking out for each other on the field how do you you know in your experience what has been like the biggest thing with that when I was playing I was with the Cardinals and the Cardinals were not they were not a, they were the Cardinals have never really been known as a great team <laughs> yeah. but they were like a dog shit team <laughs> when I was playing with them this is before they got the new stadium this is before so they got the new stadium Sun exactly. Devil Stadium Sun yeah. Devil Stadium so they were like we were terrible I'm just gonna say they was we were terrible so I want to say a lot of it with in that in that locker room was more culture. I want to say as far as like I want to say we were mathematically eliminated like I think before our bye week one year or some shit like that. <laughs> something crazy, something crazy. We got math. So as far as it could be a mixture of things, it could be coaching. Like uh, you just coaches aren't connecting with the players. That's a big one. Um, players not connecting with each other. Like I want to say, like. I think the reason, like, why Buffalo 
as good as, as way they are, especially like back then. I was watching something on when Buffalo went in with the Super Bowl four years in oh, a row. Four, yeah. They say, well, there's nothing to do because so they would always have, you know, Jim Kelly would always have people over and, you know, party, not party, but just have a good time, hang out and all that stuff. And I think that's huge for camaraderie reasons because there's nothing to do in Buffalo. I never would have thought about that. That makes, yeah, what else do you do in Buffalo exactly. when there's just snow and there's no real nightlife? Well, exactly. let's all hang out together. They all hang out together, get to know each other. And I think that, well, I know that transfers over to where you're on the field when, you know, you know, so-and-so that you're hanging out with good time, you know, you have good this relationship with and this bond with that he's busting his butt for you. So you got to do the same. So you, it's at a level of accountability. Mm. I want to say accountability is huge. Um, coaching, like I said, coach has to know what he's doing, obviously. And then you have to pick, make sure you're picking the right players that have that right mentality. Some players, you know, I mean, it's cool. Like they're just there for the paycheck. They're just you know, mercenaries and that's fine. Like, you know, feed your family, do whatever you need to do. And then there's some people that does that just live, breathe, eat football, you know? Mm-hmm. That's why I like about uh, our current 49ers with John Lynch. Like, he gets guys that live, breathe, eat, love football. Like, you know, money is just the result of playing well or of just of what they love. But yeah, that's why I like where we're at right now with the Niners. Well, full disclosure, I am a Raider fan. Raider so fan. put that out there. Okay, so okay. <laughs> all, you know, all, all I have circled on my calendar is the January purchase. <laughs> <game. laughs> as sure. long as the Raiders win that game yeah. against the Niners, then I, I don't <laughs> care the fact that they stink it up this year with all the games that they've lost. <laughs> McDaniel's probably got another year. He's got, got another year to reset. Probably, I don't know if you guys will keep Carr or not, but. See, you know, that, that's one thing with that. We'll talk a little bit about what's going on today in the NFL. Mm-hmm. McDaniels is that guy that when he's under Bill Belichick, I mean, and a combination with having Tom Brady, it's mm-hmm. like he looks like this the, the genius. Like yeah. that O coordinator with that quarterback and that head coach. Like, yeah. I mean, this guy is going to get a job anywhere. And he gets a job with, with Denver and just completely falls flat on his face. Yeah. Which tells me that, okay, he's a great O coordinator, but can he manage a group of guys? Mm-hmm. And he probably couldn't. And yeah. it lasted one year, and he said, screw this, I'm going back to you know coach with Bel- Belichick. Mm-hmm. Does that for a couple of years, wins, what, one or two more rings or something yeah, like something that? Yeah, like that. And then now Ranks he... Four or five, yeah. Exactly, something like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Comes to the Raiders, and that, that's the thing I'm thinking of is the same thing. Like, okay, I know you can call plays. You can mm-hmm. see the field that way, but can you lead a group of guys? Yeah. Did you learn that lesson through Belichick? Are you going to bring the Belichick way, which works for Bill Belichick? Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean it works for everybody else. Yeah. And how's that whole dynamic going to look? Yeah. And I watch the Raiders sometimes and I'm like, okay, same quarterback, same or new receiver, same running back, mostly a lot of the guys in the same place. The defense needs a lot of work. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah, your side of the ball, man. But what's going on here? And I'm just looking at his body language. I'm like, I don't see him connecting with the guys the mm. way that, that kind of like that coach that everybody fights for does, mm-hmm. you know, Belichick's like, like this, but you can tell guys fight for him, whether they're scared of him or whether they're just yeah. like, Hey, it's the Belichick way I got to do. I don't know it. Yeah. But do you ever look at games nowadays and can you see on the field, like the coaches and the, the players body language? Like I, I can tell exactly why they are where they are. I can tell. The best way to tell a team and if they're connecting with the coach is if they're getting their ass kicked. Mm. Honestly, in my opinion, as far as like how are they are they still trying to play as if they're trying to like there's a shot at winning this game still. Mm. Like I think that's is probably a bit like I want to say with Shanahan when he first got here, our record was terrible like the Owen Niners, but we were fighting for every game. Some games were blowouts, but we were still, you know, playing with heart and all that other stuff. Some games, you know, You'll see it in other teams where they're getting blown out. They're down by, I don't know, 17 points, and it's they're already shutting up shop. So I think that's a huge one. 
I do see it in body language. I mean, I don't see it as much as far as like depending you have to see like as far as the camera has to show it. Yeah. I mean, like I want to say um like in Arizona, Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury, their body language is kind of is is really wonky. I don't know if that's really, you know, if there's anything as far as behind that, but Kyler gives terrible body language as far as to as far as like, you know, if he's listening as coach, but yeah, I definitely see that though. As far as um, if, uh, if if a play, if a team is listening to the coach, like you'll see an eye roll or you'll see something like that or stuff like that. But yeah, I guess you can see that. Yeah, could it really be as bad as maybe one or two bad apples in the team that just kind of don't care anymore that could bring down the rest of the team and can overpower the coach's influence? Do you ever see that happen? Like, okay, yeah, I want to, you know, the, the coaches give me a rah, 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 but the guy who's actually the leader of the team is like, you know, yeah. he's ha- one foot out the door. If the player is really good, particularly, yeah, it could be po- it's super poison. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're, t- if you're like the best player in the team, he has a bad attitude, like, because you're going to have young, impressionable people in that receiver room or that DB room or that whatever room he's in. Like, he's, he's the alpha in that room, so they're just going to kind of follow him. Unless you have another dog in that room yeah. that'll compete. But for the most part, like... It's very rare that you have, like, you know, aside from the Niners, but, you know, have, like, all-stars <laughs> and all, you know, all every different room. So, yeah, if he's a bad attitude or anything like that, yeah, it's definitely going to trickle out to the other team. It's, it's going to be a, some sort of tension or something like that. Gotcha. You know? Do you see it's like when you're talking about a team getting blown out, do you see on the field where guys just – they aren't making the tackle because they're like, why, why, why bother? We're getting our ass Business kicked. decisions. I see business decisions for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I see all kind of business decisions if you're getting blown out. And that's another, another indicator is like, is this guy making business decisions because, you know, you know, he, he's, he wants to make sure he's keep collecting his checks and there's really no point in this game. Or is this guy, you know, busting his hump, just trying to make a play and put some good tape, good, some good tape out. Mm. Gotcha. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's like we were talking about earlier. It's like the game within the game. It's like people see the score at the end of the day if you're a casual fan, but when you're in there, it's all these guys, you know, some of them have their own agendas. And mm-hmm. if you guys aren't all on the same page of why we're actually doing this, then yeah. you're right. That one bad apple can completely ruin the whole team oh, totally, if you yeah. chose to. For sure. You would think GMs would, would see that. It's like, yeah, this guy has got all the talent in the world, but man, I mean, what he did on this team and the Vikings and the Eagles, I mean, it's this pattern here. Why bring that here? Mm-hmm. And they really juggle, like... It's that pressure from the fans, dude. <laughs> it's a fan pressure, bro. Like, I mean, they were creaming for uh, Antonio Brown to get signed for the Niners. It was like, no way, bro. Like, you just have to... I think you have to be stuck in your... Not stuck in your ways, but you have to stick to your... You know, if this is a bad decision, believe in yourself because some folks, I believe a lot of GMs fold to like the fan because it's their job too, right? Like, Well, well, that's the thing is the the GM reports to the owner. mm -hmm. And if you think about it, if you're the owner, are your fans not going to show up if you have a bad team? Maybe some of them won't, but a lot of them are still going to pay money to go see the game because nothing else they're going to see the other teams that come. Yeah, right. So are you really losing money if you don't listen to the fans. I know it sounds horrible for all the football fans out there, but it's like, Hey, you know, I know you want this guy here, but he's a problem and he costs too much. So we're going to get two of these guys over here. They're going to yeah. be better for the team. Trust us. They're, they're going to be good. Yeah. And then you get a team like the Baltimore Ravens in 2000 that had Trent Dilfer as a quarterback mm-hmm. and they win the Super Bowl because the defense is so good and so yeah. lock, locked in. You're like, well, you know, half of these guys weren't the biggest names in the league mm-hmm. until after. Yeah. But, until after for real. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, it's that's why I always think like you know if you're a GM, do you really are you really catering to the fans, or are you really just like you got your blinders on? I think some do and some don't. I think um, 
I think they listen definitely more to their to the owner. It depends on what the owner says, you know. If, if depends on you know how how hot handed they are or how stable they are, but like like Jerry Jones now, who's, like Jerry in, Jones. who's into everything for the Cowboy. Like yeah. literally, he's he's doing interviews for the team. Like you're the owner, man. That's not your job. <laughs> like Jerry said, I put how many billions of this, but I'm gonna do whatever I want in this thing. Yeah, like okay, that, you would think you would get the message. Okay, this is the point where you step back and let the GM yeah. and the coach take over. But if you want to get into everything, it's personality, man, that's what makes people just so fascinating, man. Just just whatever walk of life, whatever it is, what it, people are just still people at the end of the day, man. They either exactly. have their egos or they're feeding something that happened to them when they were younger or just trying to prove themselves or whatever it is. It's, that's why that's why I like sociology as far that's why I studied it at UW. Just just fascinating just finding people just fascinating in general, dude. Just how they tick. Jeez. You know? I wanna ask you how you moved on from the NFL, but before I forget, because this was important, too, let's talk yeah. about finances in the league. Okay. Because sure. this is a big topic that is coming to light a lot more now, especially in the NBA. I think mm-hmm. Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson have their own podcast specifically mm-hmm. to, to address the issue with a lot totally. of the NBA guys who, what are you really told when you come in the league about, hey, you were you went from making like nothing in college yeah. to now here's this big payday, probably more money than you'd ever seen in your life at that point. Am I yeah. correct? Yeah, for sure. And then so how do you are you even told, hey, this is how you manage it, or they just said, Here's a check and hopefully you don't blow it all in Vegas? Um, same thing as far as what I say with the coat with the um, getting recruited by agents. You get recruited by other tertiary tertiary people like uh, financial advisors. You get uh, recruited by financial advisors and not so much CPAs or anything like that, but financial advisors is another big one. Um, and this it's no, in general, nobody really tells you anything as far as like, if you don't hire a financial advisor or anything like that, they won't, you're not going to learn anything as far as educational wise. Um, but even if, when you do get a financial advisor, you're kind of just taking their word on what the right decision is for you. Mm-hmm. And I had a good, I had a good financial advisor, but in general, I mean, a lot of times it's, it could be a family relative. It could be, you have to be, you know, smart about that. Cause there's also that, like I said, the human aspect as far as the person that you grew up with that is in financing and, and they studied that, you know, so you probably trust them or they won't do you bad. Cause you know, them you grew up with them. So sometimes they end up doing you the worst, right? Yeah. Or just some person that you don't know, seems sounds, you talked a good game as far as like, what he's going to do with your money. And all of a sudden you're like, you know, you double check on it and, you're like, oh, what happened to all this money? And that's another thing. Like, you don't, even if when you think you you do have a financial advisor, you think a lot of times people, in my opinion, I think people think that, you know, that's it. You know, I don't have to worry about my money because I got a financial advisor, but they don't stay on their financial advisor and educate themselves enough to, you know, find out. Like, eventually, you want to be your own financial advisor, I would think. Yeah. You know, you don't want yeah. to depend on. So I think they don't teach. So unless you want to school specifically for business to get your MBA or anything like that, like, no, I think that's a huge hole in just not just professional sports, but just life in general, dude. Like, you don't really learn much about taxes in high school. You don't learn about compound interest unless you're in, like, advanced math or something yeah, you like that. Yeah, you don't learn that. none of that. You don't learn any of it, right? So, I mean, it's probably a reason why we won't get into why they don't teach us that, but... So yeah, I get where, <laughs> I get where you're coming from there. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, just the fact that there's no just general education on just how to. Well, you used to be able to budget. I mean, budget your your book and all, but you don't really know about how to make money until you make money, and you have to like 
you have the time to find that out. And it's, it's crazy how you don't really know that until it's like almost gone or, you know, or you like you get mad. It's like, man, I could have made way more money if I learned this earlier. So that's a way to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you did I answer your question ish? Very good. Yeah. Okay, cool. It's uh, because the idea is that most people don't know that you have to go out and seek this out on your own. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm actually, I'm kind of curious to think of the, the people that you played with. Mm-hmm. Did you see the guys that just took the paycheck and then right away they came and they came back with a Lambo or they came back with uh, all the gold rings or something like that. And you're like, man, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're more first round picks. So they could do that. Uh, I want to okay. say first round, they had the first round pick money and whatnot, but not crazy though. Like nothing like Lambo or like that. I don't think, I think it depends on what city you're in as well. Gotcha, like, that I mean, makes sense. I'm in Phoenix, so, I mean, you're going to stick out like a sore thumb if you're in Lambo. I guess. But if you're out, yeah. like, in Miami or something like that, or L.A. or something like that, or I don't think we just have the personality types for that mm, out gotcha. in Arizona. But, I mean, it's, it's definitely out there, especially when you get that second contract. Like, mm-hmm. um, that's that's really more of the big payday when you see people, like, when they, if they splurge, they get that second contract, typically. So when you're signing the, the, these contracts now, are, do you sign them with the idea of thinking, okay, I probably got about three or four years left in the league, or do you sign them thinking, hey, I just, oh, this is a big number. Okay, I got to do six years. Like, how do you, when you're going through it, how do you think long-term? For me, I was, like I said, I was just signing a rookie contract, but <laughs> I would say um, there's a lot of factors involved. There is, there's usage, there's, you want to get, it's, NFL is weird because they're, they're paying you for what you've done on your second contract that you're previous because you've kind of proved yourself, but they're also, I think, figuring out a way like to pay for your, they're, they're trying, I want to say teams are trying to pay for you as much as what you can for you've done and try as least as possible what you can do in the future, if that makes sense. It, yeah, it makes sense. So like as far as with the salary cap, it's always going up. So they try to you know squeeze you within so you can make the uh, so you fit within the within the salary cap. But I mean, you take a guy like you know, sign a nice fat contract now, but you know three down years down the road, it's like if they start balling, if they ball again, like they're kind of stuck in that contract. For, they can renego- renegotiate depending on the team, but they can get more out of like I want to say, for example, Dre Greenlaw. He's balling right now for the for the Niners uh, number fifty seven for the bot for the forty four Niners linebacker. He just signed a contract; it's a good deal for him. But he's probably going to be playing at a pro. He's playing at a Pro Bowl level right now, if not All Pro level right now. Mm. So I think he signed like a two year deal. So if it was a three year deal, he might be like kind of man. I wish I would have waited a little bit longer. Two year deal's not too bad, but it's just um, it's a, it's a bouncing act like. You want to get as much as you can for what you're, you know, you know you're worth, but you also want to, you know, pay for that and, you know, get paid down the road as well. Like you're worth it. You don't want to get laughed at. You want your agent to get laughed. Agent doesn't want to get laughed yeah. at. Like, damn, it's a terrible deal. What are you doing? So <laughs> I believe it. You know? And just to clarify, so when you guys get, get paid, you get paid a game check for the week, correct? Yes. And that's only when you're playing. Only when you're playing. So yeah. six or four months out of the year, you're not getting anything. Exactly. Correct? Exactly. So with that being being said, do you think about, okay, I need to put X amount of money away per paycheck because, you know, in the months of February, March, April, I, I kind of yeah. have to just work with what I got. Do you think uh, about that way? Honestly, my rookie year, no. <laughs> <laughs> Sophomore and my third year, yes. But yeah, for sure. Like, uh, I was 
really looking forward to camp that year. Yeah. <laughs> After my rookie year, for I sure. believe it. That's, <laughs> that's just something I think people don't realize. They, they see people making these crazy millions of dollars. Like, yeah, they're making a lot of money. First of all, that's before Uncle Sam takes his cut. Yeah. And second of all, they're getting paid during the season or yeah. the preseason. Once the season's over, that's you know the checks yeah. are cut off until it starts up again. Yeah, so. you have to recycle your 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 thinking. Like, okay, yeah, you have to you have to think ahead of time, definitely for sure. And, like, and so what is your mentality during the offseason then? Is it just pretty much hit the weight room? Do you have anxiety about, hey, am I going to get that call that I'm being traded to, like, you know, Detroit or something like that? How mm-hmm. do you, you know, how do you deal with the typical offseason? Uh, um, you take a break, then you hit the gym, uh, hang out a little bit, decompress a little bit. Uh, each person is different. Some people hit the, you know, film and all that stuff. And like, like I said, I, if I'll be honest, I was probably the most professional, <laughs> professional athlete, if I'll be <laughs> honest. Um, but you know, it all depends. Just you know, some people do uh, uh, philanthropy stuff like that in the off season. Uh, some people travel. I did a lot of traveling, um, and yeah, just trying to figure out. You know, like I said, I was twenty one, twenty two. You know, way too. Yeah. And there was uh, so how many total years with Arizona? Two years with Arizona, and then a year with the Texans. And that was the expansion draft, correct? That was the expansion draft. So how does that work? Did they, did they already tell you, hey, you're in this pool of players that yeah. they might pick? So you are, okay, so you were already ready in, that, in case you got that call here. Exactly. Yeah, so I got a call from the coach. It's like, hey, we're going to put you in the – we're going to leave you uh, eligible for this expansion draft. Um, I think we have a pretty good opportunity for you. Um, and then – Draft night came up, or expansion draft day came up, and I got drafted, which is crazy. You're so, like, yeah. hey, I got drafted again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> What's a, so how was the different experience between starting from the Cardinals or getting drafted by the Cardinals, and now you're drafted for an expansion team where everybody's brand spanking new? How was that first year at Houston? Houston was different because Houston had the Oilers right before. The Oilers that went to Tennessee. Yeah. And yeah, so, so they, they came out. So they were stoked to have another football team. So they were really, really the city was really, really open and welcoming for sure. So that was awesome to see. Um, it was different because also Houston Texans or Houston Oilers, they were like a, a they're a winning program when they were here. So yeah. got a lot more plugs as far as like just you know, signing things or just random signings for showing up to car dealerships and stuff like that, and just oh wow, they opportunities like that. Yes, yeah, the whole Texas, city in Texas, you know. Yeah. So it's different. The football is definitely different in Texas. So had a lot more autograph signings and like that, and like like I said, a six round pick, and I mean, it started maybe like eight games with the Cardinals, but so nothing crazy, right? But still, you know, got offers like that. So that was pretty interesting to see as far as just a different city, how different cities operate as far as how much love they give to the team and whatnot. And like I said, they were really stoked to see, uh, have, have the Texans there. And it was one year there, correct? It was one year there. Yes. So when you got out of your, your contract with, with Houston, were you, how were you shopping for other teams? Like, how does that work when you're a free agent? You know, do you have to go basically put your resume out to the teams? They just call you and see your name on the list. How does that work? For the most part, I want to say with my experience levels, how much time I got on the field, I would say I was, sending my contract out or sending my resume out to them. <laughs> um, agent calls around. That's another why you have money. Why you want to have a good agent um, that can get you into camps. Um, you want to just keep, for the most part, you want to keep as much tape, uh, fresh tape as you can as possible. So that's why I went to, you know, my various camps or went to, I went to NFL Europe even. Um, that was my idea when I went to play in Canadian football was to, you know, just as long as you have some kind of tape of saying like what you can still move around and see how you can play. Um, and then they just give you a call either as a camp body and then you prove yourself 
in that camp and either they cut you or keep you in mind or stuff like that. Like sometimes you need to get cut. Like there's players I see with the Niners particularly, they'll cut like three or four times. We'll bring them back because yeah. it's injuries or just things happen. So yeah, like they already know you. They're like, well, in case somebody could get to get injured, we know what you can do. Know so you can do, you knows the playbook and this and that and know what we can get out of them as, as far as that stuff. So yeah. So yeah, you always like, want to stay in shape. Definitely. Like, even during the season, if you do get cut, you're staying in shape as if you're playing with them entirely. Like any, the phone call can happen anytime. Well, that's one thing I like about the NBA that they have that D League or the or the G League, whatever it's called now. D like, and G League, I D think, or yeah. G League, yeah. yeah. Like it's a place where if you're not, you're just not living up to what they need you for on the pro court. You can mm-hmm. go down to the leagues and you can get more experience there. And yeah, I like that about NFL Europe when they had it, and mm-hmm. even the CFL. Yeah. Since there's no NFL Europe anymore, is there really a place for guys to go who are like, hey, I need some more time on the field, but there's just nowhere, you know. CFL yeah. right now, and then they have this, uh, the USFL's kicking up. I think that's whoever the whatever one The Rock's doing. I think XFL, USFL. I want to <laughs> say that those two are going to be a farm feeding system, I would say, or alternative. Because um, a lot of times it's just that, too. That was the thinking behind NFL Europe is it's just so much – like, you have starters, and it's hard to make a team, but, I mean, you have to be already good. But if you're, like, you can't be just, like, in college where, I mean, I guess you can, but um, it's harder. Like, if you just don't have the reps, especially quarterback. Oh, yeah. You know, quarterback, you just need the reps to see the defense. You see the speed and get used to the speed. But if you're not on the field, like, it's hard to get those reps. So that's all the whole thinking between our behind, you know, the NFL Europe was. And I think that's the probably the thinking behind the USFL and the XFL in this year. I don't know why they got rid of the NFL. Do you know why? I never looked into why. Probably they just cost because <laughs> you're flying teams out there. and I guess it makes football's sense. Football's an expensive sport as far as like equipment and all that stuff too and all that stuff. So That makes sense. And plus, I mean, the fans were showing up, but I don't think they really had a big, they didn't have a big TV contract or if they did, the times were all crazy. And yeah. I think you have to really, really love football if you want to watch NFL Europe in the United States like early in the morning or something like that. So it was, yeah. I remember the games would be on Fox every now and then. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, this is, this is a Europe League. Oh, the, mm-hmm. the Berlin Thunder or whatever yep, it was. Berlin Thunder, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, what was your? Do you have like that one memorable, memorable game where like your best game in the pros? And who was it against? Best game in the pros? I want to say against Atlanta Falcons. I actually got to sack that game. Made some good tackles. Actually. Uh, I like to think I got them the new stadium because <laughs> in a roundabout way, because I want to say they were driving on us and then I got a sack, got them out of field goal range or something like that. And they missed a field goal. As a result, we won the game. And then as a result, there was like actual vote for like, if they wanted the stadium, uh, I want to say that following week or something like that. And the vote went through and I say, cause the Cardinals won. So I like to take that. <laughs> because the last game the Falcons played was a loss, <laughs> therefore we need a new stadium. That's exactly, <laughs> exactly. They got, got, and I got the sack that caused them the loss. So. That's awesome. Did you keep you're, the ball? I did. I did. So you're welcome. <laughs> that's you're, awesome. you're welcome, Phoenix. All the Falcons fans. There we go. <laughs> Man, that's that's actually pretty funny to say that you that you were the reason that uh, they got the Phoenix did, right? Like Phoenix got their new stadium. That's awesome, man. Oh, wait. Oh, I think meant Atlanta got the I new t- stadium. I made a sack in Atlanta. I played Atlanta. Okay, not Atlanta getting the new stadium. Phoenix getting the new stadium. Yeah, Phoenix okay, getting the new stadium. Yeah, we'll correct yeah, that. Yeah. I thought you meant the Falcons. They yeah, always yeah. get new stadiums out there for whatever reason. <laughs> um, here's another big, big topic that comes up a lot. It's uh, the, the issue of health in the league. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, when you're playing, they want you, like, on top of your game, you know, they'll, you know whatever medicines that you need or whatever mm-hmm. therapy you need. But how is it like when they're trying to get you on the field? Is it like... 
they're just trying to patch me up to get out there and play. But really, hey, this knee isn't, you know, or do you even say anything? Because you're like, hey, I kind of want to play. I, can't, I should, probably shouldn't say that this knee ain't what it should be. It's different. I will say back then, it's kind of you're expected to play. Not so much just pressure from the team, but just pressure from yourself as well. Mm. Particularly with the head stuff. Like with the knee stuff, there can be situations where, you know, they can't be they can push you out there and, and before you're ready and doc says you're good and everybody says you're good, but you just don't think so. And it's weird because I want to say with, especially with knee injuries, particularly if you're coming off one, like if you're coming off a surgery, like a lot of it's just getting your confidence back as far as what that knee can do. So you hear your doc saying it's right and you're hearing everybody saying you're fine, but you know, just in your head, like then you start thinking like, am I tripping? Is it because my confidence is there? I've never hurt my I've never hurt myself, so I wouldn't know that that realm. But I can see, you know, uh, there is pressure. I want to say more so, um, probably more so in college, not just at UW, but just all over the place, because um, the head coach has like his kind of his life, your life, in it, kind of in his hands, because he can take your scholarship, he can sit you on the bench, he can bad mouth you to the next level so yeah you're right you know so you know because coach i mean the first person they talk to is what's he like as well he's not gonna i mean he's 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 not gonna play hard if he's just a little dinged up or he might say oh he'll play through anything you know that type deal as far as um as far as with coaches like like i said i didn't experience anything like that and anything i really know of at my school but i just know that it's around there but that's definitely a possibility but in the pros um it all depends because also, that's also a financial investment. You know, yeah. it depends on how much money they're invested in and how good the team's doing and all that stuff. And the pressure around is also just as far as involved in like the locker room and just the culture there and, um, you know, how bad that you need it and how, like, are you hurt or you're injured pretty much kind of type deal. Well, you brought a big thing up when we when, when, when talk about the head injuries and how many guys were like, yeah, I got dinged in the head, but it's fine. I can go out there. Mm-hmm. And the big thing in your guys' day was the whole CTE issue. Mm-hmm. You know, this is what happened when uh, Junior Seau, um, who else was it, Aaron Hernandez, mm-hmm. all these, these these guys that after they, they pass on, they do these scans of their brains like, holy shit, that this guy yeah. it really mess, messed up in there. Fucking scrambled eggs for brains for sure. Yeah, Exactly. Like. Was that even something that was even talked about, even no. sort of hush-hush? Nothing at all. They were like, yeah, no, they're fine. No, I mean, it's just, I think that's more of a cultural thing as more as, you know, rub dirt on it. and Yeah. You know, like, I mean, if you're throwing up because you got hit hard, yeah. I mean, I want to say they're they're concerned about you, but uh, I just think, I don't think the research is there as far as, like, what a concussion technically is. Because I want to say I did some testing uh for the NFLPA a while back, a couple months ago, about a year or so ago. And they're just kind of talking about, like, you know, like a concussion technically is if you just get your, you know, bell rung typically. Like, mm-hmm. if you see stars or if you just kind of, like, whatever. I was like, well, yeah, I see stars all the time, like in college, like in practice. Yeah. You know, just, but then think of it to report or anything like that. So I think a lot of part that was just educating, education on what that was doing. I don't know as far as higher up. As far as the conspiracy theory is, as far as were they trying to research all that and were they keeping those papers hush hush? I don't know about all that, but I just know it's a cultural thing. High school, college, pros, like, unless you got knocked out cold, I mean, you're going yeah. back in for the most part because that's just part of, like, you know, tough guy and yeah, tough image, right? Well, even now, do they still do testing for you, um, even though you haven't played in, in, in a while, to say, hey, just, just we just want to check up on you? They did. They did test, I want to say, two weeks ago. No, two months ago. 
Very recent, okay. Very recent love, but I got actually a good, a good bill of health because actually it was like part of like a, it was part of the NFL um, claims mm. as far as that. So I was so I got a call from my lawyer like, oh, good news, bad news. Like, <laughs> good news, you're good. You know, they seem to think that you're as cool with bad news. You know, you're not going to get anything. It's kind of bittersweet. Like, okay, I get to know that. I'm cool for right now. Right. So, but well, what is that testing like? Is it just an MRI scan or do you have to fill out a bunch of forms to see if you can write? I, th- uh, I won't say it's more psychological and physical stuff. I didn't take any MRI things because I only had like, I've only had one uh, diagnosed concussion. I was like in high school. So gotcha. Okay. I've been very fortunate. Like as far as like unofficial uh, uh, concussions, probably a lot more, but I generally didn't hit with my head all that often. I tried not to. I was always smaller. So, who did it affect more? You would think it would affect running backs, wide receivers, uh, maybe linebackers because they're doing a lot of hard hitting. Yeah. Who else was typically the the ones that they? I'd say them? those positions, probably quarterbacks too. Quarterback, yeah. But there's so many rules around a quarterback these days that it's hard. To, it's hard to hit them that hard. Did you see that game in Tampa Bay earlier this year? It was some crazy pass and you know, roughing the quarterback, and he barely touched the quarterback. It yeah. Became this big controversy. It's like that's yeah. not roughing the passer, not yeah. even close. But they called it. Yeah. But like, you guys are really on that flag for that one. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is getting ridiculous. <laughs> for sure. Like, I think they. Uh, I mean, it's, I think it's more like lawyer talk, dude. Make sure, like, hey, we're doing something about this, so it can't come back later. Yeah. Plus, I think they always do that. They're always going hard on the rules early in the year. And then dial it back to see if, you know, just to see the if there's with the competition or with just with ratings pretty much, I would think. Yeah. I would think so. Do you think that that, that a lot of the refs have the pressure sometimes? Like, I'm, it's kind of hemming and hawing, but I got to make the decision so it's better safe to just throw the flag out and say I did it. That way no one can ever say, why didn't you call that? I think so. Hmm. I think so, especially particularly with safety. I want to say they're definitely with safety. They're, uh, they want to pull the trigger on that one faster because they, I mean, there's no... The gray line's getting thinner. I get. I think it's got to be more black and white with that with the safety issue. Other rules and other things like that. I don't think so. I don't know. But gotcha. But particularly with health, though, yeah. I mean, it's a definitely a topic that's still going to be out there. And unfortunately, hopefully, we don't have any more stories like Junior Junior Seau, mm-hmm. one of the greatest linebackers ever, and then yeah. how he ended everything. Yeah. And then I think I think you wrote a note too, right? Saying this is what yeah. happened. That's what he wanted. He wanted like that's why he shot himself in the chest and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's crazy to think that that's it's something to to really think about now. I'm hopefully that, that the NFL is on the right page with all the guys now to say, hey, we're going to try and be on top of it as best we can. But mm-hmm. it's like, you can't really avoid it. It's a contact sport. I mean, unless yeah. you want to go play flag football and I don't know if you're going to get a lot of ratings for that one. Yeah, but yeah it's, a t- it's a tough uh, tough place to be in, for, definitely, for sure. Uh, I think they're making rules. and right. it's, it's crazy how how the human body or just the athlete adjusts, though. Like, nowadays, could be four. It's like, I, like DBs, I can't hit anybody. Like, this could be, I'm going to hurt myself or... Like, like they're gonna be ducking their heads. It's gonna be impossible. You see, still see hard hits. Yeah, it's hard legal hits, square to the chest, head outside, all the other things. So it's crazy how they they adjust. It seemed like it'd be impossible, but you know, you, there are some BS calls and they're kind of soft. But for the most part, you still see hard hits out there, and um, it's so still do, legal. Do you think the game feels faster now than it was back when you were playing? I think so. I think so. Just, um, just the level, just. How much research and data is available to players nowadays? Like, I want to say, especially like receiver specialists, receivers, uh, DBs. Like, before you have, you know, you didn't really see anybody a little training, but now you see DBs putting out, you know, workout tapes 
uh, just doing their cuts and stuff like that. Just, you know, trying to floss and try to get the social media up. And then you see another DB trying to better that or receiver doing a one-handed catch, you know, in practice. And so <laughs> yeah. they want to try that and, and one-up them. So I think the level is definitely getting better. I think football in general is just getting better as far as level level of athlete and just a level of play. Plus they play seven-on-seven year-round now and all that other stuff. So, Do they? Oh, yeah. Okay. Like high school kids, they'll play seven-on-seven year-round. Like, you'll give scholarships out on stuff because of 7-on-7 seven these days. Jeez. It's crazy, With yeah. technology now, yeah, you can go down to the minute thing about mm-hmm. how someone's designed. Oh, you're better at this. Jeez. Exactly, oh, right? Man. Yeah, I know. So when you got out of the league, what was it that's, that made you say, hey, it's time to hang it up? Was it just, you know, your, your body was telling you, hey, it's time? Was it teams weren't calling you? A little bit of A, a little bit of B. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, getting cut from a Canadian football team is definitely your eye open as well. NFL careers probably get, is over. Oh, so yeah. cut from. Uh, call it, uh, Canadian football teams. Not no knock on Canadian football, but you know, is what it is. Yeah. And then, um, also, my body started to talk back to me, like my shoulders and stuff like that. Or just recovery took a little longer than it did. Um, and then it's like, also, you know, how long more did I want to be doing this for? As far as this grind, because like I say, ultimately, I want to get back to the NFL. But you know, that window was getting closer. It was getting uh, close, smaller and smaller. So right. So so taught. Total between Europe, States, how many years? I'll say seven. Seven years. Okay, so still seven years playing pro football, man. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Definitely, uh, definitely (laughs) got it out of my system, that's for sure. So when you realized you were were done, how did you process what the next step was going to be? Did you already have an idea? Hey, I think I know no. what I want to do after this. No, I had no clue what I wanted to do after this for a good year. Dude, I was installing windshields for a little bit, trying to figure things out. And then uh, I was living in Canada for a while, but then um, moved back to the States. And then um, actually, it was pretty intimidating, honestly, just because I, mean, I had no work experience as far as writing my resume down. Like, yeah, it looks impressive you play football, but I mean, what else can you do? And I do have you know skills that transfer over, but I just didn't really know how to elaborate that or Mm-hmm. express that into you know you know tangible soft skills so um i did go ahead and start working at enterprise rental car which is a great program as far as teaching you anything you, it's pretty much i think it's a pretty much a business school live on like live on the scene business school they teach you how to you know do your book sales back end stuff how to um how to how to coach people up how to be a manager how to hire people, how to deal with difficult situations, how to deal with customer service. So I definitely got uh, a lot of my skills for working at Enterprise Rental Car. They make you work hard, but uh, the skills that you learn from there is second to none. And that's awesome, man. Yeah, that's for sure. It's, I mean, did you ever have a maybe like an ego check? Like, did you say when you got the league, okay, you know, I, I could probably do A, B, and C, and then realize, hey, I don't have the skills that I need to go do that? Or were you not thinking about that when you got out of the league? I would say more along the lines of. <laughs> Uh, dollar amount when I was requesting for uh, like, <laughs> first expense, first experience I showed on papers. Like, okay, well, I, I believe to, that, you know, I have to, uh, I have to, I have to start a little bit more lower than, you know, the tone fall hence, you know, <laughs> I have to, you know, ask these people if they want this protection on the car now and I have to say no or cuss me out or whatever <laughs> it is. So that was definitely, I mean, humbling for sure. Um, but I'm, I'm generally a humble, humble person. So do you think a lot of guys when they get out of the league, and this is something that's not really talked about. Do you mm-hmm. think a lot of guys sort of fall into a depression? They're like, hey, this is all I knew was mm-hmm. football. And now I'm, you know, here in, in the regular world and I have no clue what to do or whatnot. Did you ever see that, feel that, or ever experience it on your own? I would say it depends on 
like how high their aspirations were when they played and how, did they achieve that goal. And I think also um, the thing I missed most is just, you know, the, the camaraderie more than anything mm. as far as that, as far as playing and all that stuff and the controlled violence, I guess, too. Yeah. Um, but it just all depends, I think, if you had high aspirations like you wanted to be, you know, a Hall of Famer and you ended up being cut in like a year. Like, yeah, that's probably going to be a depressing thing or if you got hurt or something like that. Um, so there is a, a deal of depression there doing that. And then just, I think it's more of the uncertainty because mm. you're banking on, I mean, I'll be honest, like for me, I wasn't really thinking about playing football until there was an option. Yeah. But then once it was an option, I didn't think about playing with anything else, doing anything else. Like everything I did was probably going to be through football. Mm. Like all these other things, these other, you know, opening business, stuff like that. That was, you know, having football being the main money generator and then investing other things. But now that I'm going to start from square one, it's like, well, what do I do now? Like, so definitely, um, I think it's more of just a fear, eh, not fear, but just uncertainty. I think it's more, is is more than the depression thing. I think it does happen. I would say, yeah, but I think it's more the uncertainty and why some more people like hanging on or want to hang on to playing. Cause it's all, you know, it's what you know and all that stuff. So, I mean, it's like guys that go back in the military. They do their four-year tour, but yeah. the, the camaraderie, like you were saying, they built up overseas working with all these, these guys and gals in whatever yeah. branch of service they were in. Then they come back to the real world here and they're like, it's just, it's a different feeling. It's yeah. like, and you see him re-up in there. Yeah. Or in the NFL, like Brett Favre, one of the one of the guys, right. I, I retired, but you know what? I'm going to come back because mm-hmm. I just, I can't get out of my, my system. This yeah. is who I am. This is what I right. do. And then you just keep on going. Or our buddy Tom Brady, they yeah. just, I retire next day. You know what? I don't retire. I'm coming back. <laughs> For I, sure, man. You, just, just, you love the game so much and you can't get out of it. Mm-hmm. And you would, at, at some point it's like, yeah, but you got to make room for the next wave of generation yeah, or yeah. like what when I hit and now in Tom Brady's case, he's got more money. He knows what, what to deal with. He can be fine on his own right there. Yeah. That'd be cool. But, but yeah, but, but, but for mo- uh, most guys getting out of the league, it's, you know, you, you go from this li- lifestyle or the paychecks, whatever. And now you got to realize, Hey, I got to go do something else. Yeah. What do I do? Yeah. You know? I mean, I do see a lot, a lot of guys doing like the, and the analyst stuff where they do mm-hmm. something football related where they get to talk about skills, yeah. like the podcast and whatnot. Exactly. It's a way to stay. Use the resources for sure. Definitely. Exactly. It's yeah. a way to stay in there or coach football, like coach high school football or mm-hmm. something like that. Like, was that something that ever crossed your mind? Coaching football takes too, too much time for me, bro. Like, <laughs> I'm cool on that. Like maybe on the side, as a position thing, but even then, that's hella time just dedicated, and I'd rather be doing something else. Honestly, makes sense. You know, yeah, you do what you got to do there. <laughs> <laughs> sure, it's uh, it's it's just something that I bring up because a lot of people have asked about. It. It's been something that's been in the news lately too. Where we're talking about you know this, for whatever reason, maybe it's the holidays, whatever. Mm-hmm. It tends to come out at this time of year where it's like you hear about these big names or just everyday people who are like that. I, I have no idea what to do with myself, and then they just do something. They're like. Well, you know, kind of an extreme way to do it, but yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, like what's going through your mind. So I was always curious to see how like NFL players deal with that once mm. they get out of the limelight and whatnot. Yeah. Or maybe it's, it's it's a really different if you're somebody who, like, like I said, is the star of the team. You were the one that had all the stats, and then now an ACL injury ruins your whole career. And now mm. what do you do? Yeah, like it's almost cut short, like right away, compared to maybe it, like eventually, like all right, I. You know, kind of get out on my own. Yeah, for sure. I want to say probably injury is probably a bigger one because it's like, well, that's always in the back of your head. Like, what could have been? So probably, probably in the back of your head. Um, but I think if you, it depends on your foundation as far as, you know, did you have a good solid financial foundation? Did you have a good, you know, core people around you? Was your whole personality football, you know, or were you other things other than football, you know? And, and people think that, you know, football players just do dumb jocks, but they're very complicated people dude like 
I mean, there's guys that went to Harvard, there's guys that went to Stanford, guys that went to, you know, UW. There's, you know, it's a ton of people and there's bright dudes that are just more than just football players who just happen yeah. to be really good at that one thing. Mm-hmm. And pay is good money. It just makes too much sense for me not to play. So, you know, they play football, but there's other things that they, you see it through, you'll see, you see it through like their philanthropy stuff, like Eric Armstead, he's very involved in community or you just have the, uh, the uh, Walter Payton Award winners on stuff. Like it's not just, if it was just football players just wanting to play football, like that, things like that wouldn't, wouldn't really happen to exist, especially nowadays with, you know, players being more vocal with far as, you know, social issues and stuff like that. Here's a question for you. This always comes up with the parents, especially. Uh, do you have a son? I have a daughter. Daughter. Okay. But so let's say your child wanted to play football. Mm-hmm. What would you tell him? Yay, nay, stay away from it. I'd probably tell him play, dude. It's a, it's a great sport. It's a great team-building sport. Like, there's no other sport like it, man, as far as a bunch of individuals coming together to achieve a common goal. Like, there's no other sport. Like, basketball, you can get away with having one good, two good players and win the championship, and you're not really contributing anything to the team. But soccer, kind of the same thing. Baseball, solid pitcher and good, good batter and stuff like that. But football, you have to have that left tackle – do his job, otherwise a quarterback might get killed. He might get hurt. Hmm. Um, you know, as a D tackle, you have to make sure you get in the right assignment. Otherwise, you know, make the linebacker look bad. Yeah. Or safety has to be in the right position, or else the quarter, the cornerback who had great position and looked and did his job looks like a fool on TV. So. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, that's why I like football. So I mean, I probably wouldn't let him start until maybe seventh, eighth grade. High school, probably preferably, mm-hmm. but there's other ways around that. I have them play maybe flag football to get the base to get it to get it out of them. Um, but the main thing is you wouldn't be concerned about injuries early on, like man, it's life, dude. Yeah, it is. You know, it's unfortunate if something unfortunate happens. Obviously, I don't want that to happen, but I mean, you can't live life like that, man. Just worry about the what ifs. That's like, true, man. You know, so no, I, I definitely see it there. You know, it's always something that when you ask parents about that, some parents are, like, I would never. You see how violent football, and some are like, no, it could because of that reason there, because you get to build team bonding, and mm-hmm. then some, you know, some young boys especially need that more than others. We're like, they need to be a yeah. part of that big unit, totally, to go work for the same goal. You know, yeah. and yes, the physical contact sport, yeah, but you know, yeah, like you're saying, if you just live in fear about what if his ACL goes out, what if he gets this really bad concussion, it's like, well. Mm-hmm. You know. No, if he's getting multiple concussions in like the same year, yeah, obviously I'm pulling him out. But, <laughs> but you know, ACLs and stuff like that, like, I mean, that's just another thing to overcome as far as he just he had an adversity early in his life that he can overcome. You know, that's that's a that's still a lesson in itself, you know. Yeah. So one of the guys that you played with with on on the Arizona Cardinals was Pat Tillman. Mm-hmm. And Pat Tillman is also, I forgot, he was Army, correct? Army, yes. Sir. Army. He was a Ranger or something like Ranger. that. Ranger. Yeah. yeah, it was... He listened in the army in May of 2002 after September 11th. That people people forget. Like you know, my generation remembers it. I know your generation did. Oh, yeah. Does that that September 11th thing? That really uh, that happened. Yeah, that, that really happened. It's uh, but people forget like how kind of unified the, the country was oh, at totally. the time. So oh, when yeah. you have somebody who's playing the NFL and could have had a base not a cush job, but you know he was pretty much said mm-hmm. for him to basically say screw that, I'm gonna go and serve my country and leave mm-hmm. all that on the field. That was uh, that's Pat Tillman, man. That's who he yeah. was as a person. How was he in the locker room? I mean, he's the type of guy that would, you know, give up all up and play a military, have a military career. He's just, he's a cool dude, man. He's just down to earth dude. He's like a, he's a Northern California guy. Um, dude, you know, making NFL money would ride around on a beach cruiser all day, you know, everywhere. Or be in a 1985 Jeep Cherokee 
you know, he had the money to buy nice vehicles, but just he wasn't raised that way. He was just raised to be just a regular dude, didn't think better of anybody, didn't think any worse of anybody, just, you know, judge you as a person, as your actions are, mm-hmm. and then accordingly, but he's still cool, man, like, type of dude that help up the opponents off the ground as far as, you know, picking them up off after you tackle them, stuff like that. Wow. Solid dude, though, for sure. Yeah, and it's just, you know, to see, like, what I would call one of the true American heroes. I mean, obviously, you gave your life for your country. Yeah. There's no, uh, yeah. you know, great, a greater honor than, than, than that to make the ultimate sacrifice, mm-hmm. and to also know that on the field and in the locker room that he was somebody that carried that, that same level of integrity with him. Totally. Somebody that you, that you can go to and he's going to help you out, look out for it. You're his teammate. Mm-hmm. Not playing the game of I'm the best player at this ring, so you do what I say or exactly. get out of here. Talk to, all, talk to all this. Like there's Sometimes you can get in the locker room, you get pretty catty. You can get kind of like, especially particularly with like position groups. You know, you're just familiar with the position, so you can kind of like get not separated that way, but you know, just... More comfortable you talking to with Pat, talk to everybody. You know what I'm saying? Made it a point to talk to everybody. Um, even specialists, special teams, punters, kickers, all this stuff. So definitely. Interesting thing, man. And it's uh yeah, wish we had more of that. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's kind of one thing that you, that you see a lot more with with social media, unfortunately, is that there's a lot of more drum. I think this does a lot more of that maybe cattiness nowadays than there was back then. Yeah. You were in the locker rooms, I you know, I mm-hmm. wasn't, so I don't know for sure, but you know, having more integrity like th- like this guy here is something that I think if we had a little more of that, I think we'd be in a much better position in terms I think of so, like for sure. the country, other football team, you know, just the way people in- interact with each other. So yeah. we're not always pointing fingers like you're right, I'm wrong or vice versa. Like nobody cares, really. It's yeah. like how are we working together to get to the end of it, to get to the goal that we need to get to? Yeah. Not your way or, or is all right or my way is all right. Yeah, I think social media has affected how we have just people don't want to have conversations. They just want to be right, you know. They want their side, whatever it is, instead of like hearing or just everything's black or white. It's not, you know, you can't have a different opinion and be okay with that person. Like, I mean, I mean, completely different philosophical thinking, but just can't be like, okay, I hate you then because you don't have my agree. It's always, it seems like it's always that now instead of just, okay, let's have a conversation. Why do you think that way? explain to me why and not you know end up in fisticuffs for some reason you know i know yeah exactly i think the way like what we're doing here that this whole interaction thing mm-hmm. we, what we saw in the pandemic was a lot of people were, were doing zoom meetings whatever mm-hmm. but it's just not the same thing unless i'm sitting here talking to you oh, and totally. we're having this conversation like yeah. we're going almost two hours now and a lot of things came up in this conversation that never would have, would have, would have thought of which is the whole point yeah we kind of build that relationship even if we totally dis- disagreed on a point, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like get up and wa- walk away. It's like, let's sit here and talk about it. Exactly. That's how we get through life. Yeah. It's figuring out what makes you tick. Here's what makes me tick. We can agree to disagree on certain things, but how can we take what we have in common totally. and work together for whatever purpose we're actually trying to try, trying to get to. Exactly. So I think you're going to start seeing more things like, like this. And this is why I like the long form thing, because you get a much better context of yeah. who somebody is totally. and the message that they have compared to just a quick, you know, five second snippet. 15 minute soundbite on it. Whatever, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you get a very like okay, that's not I mean, yeah, I said that, but that's not the context <laughs> I was saying it in. It's like so if you can Gotta watch the thing, yeah, for sure. Ex- had to be there. <laughs> I know, exactly. You had to be there. <laughs> so what's the future hold for for Jabari? Because you were doing real estate a little bit, correct? I was doing real estate in Seattle, moved down here, um, to be close to my parents. Um ideals get closer into tech. I mean, I was out here in San Francisco. Yeah. Um Work on you know some find some kind of like tech thing to just keep my I like to I like to just learn new things so 
I like to push myself on things like that. So that being a tech world was completely foreign to me at the time or before or whatever, but now I'm starting to get the hang of it. So I'm liking that, um, you know, just better myself and, you know, find my, find my happy place, dude. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. Do you take any lessons away from the NFL specifically or just that time in your life when you were in your twenties and just going through the natural progression of the things you learn when you're in your twenties? Lessons from the NFL is probably much more, probably more things I just learned because I'm in my twenties and the football happened to be what I was doing in my twenties. But, um, I think in general, just getting along with people, I think, I think that's really helped as far as from play, from my foot, my days in football, just, um, like, cause a college locker, like a, a professional football locker room and a college locker room are very unique situations. Cause you have people from all over the world, mm-hmm. all over the country, different spaces, different financial backgrounds, different, uh, cultural backgrounds and whatnot. And you can have some stone cold races on your team, you know? But I believe it, yeah. But we're all, you know, in this same, probably same. I don't know if you did military or not, but not me. It's kind of almost same like this military, you know, like you have all these, you know, different backgrounds. But I mean, on Sunday, that guy's the other person's the, the other team's the other color is the enemy. So let's put all bullshit aside, put our own bullshit aside so we can beat these motherfuckers, you know, pretty much, which is awesome, you know. So that's, you know, the way just you saying that now, it, makes people well i think it should make people understand that you could completely disagree with somebody's Mm -hmm. personal life their political life whatever it is yeah but if you're on the same team you know hey we're on this this team because Mm -hmm. that's the enemy over there with the Mm -hmm. football enemy or whatever enemy yeah and that you can actually put that that aside a lot of people think that you can't Mm -hmm. that there's almost like i have to sabotage him because i don't agree with his position on Mm -hmm. whatever it is like no we're on the same team i mean i like the guy i mean i go out with them after work for for a beer but When we're on the same team, we put all that stuff aside and we just go with it. Yeah. And then I don't have to worry about him. Or when we're on the field together, I know he's going to have my back on the football field, even yeah. if he dislikes me as the per, you know, whatever racist yeah. person, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Is that it changes there? Mm-hmm. Real life, you know, people's. I think a lot of people are getting that misconstrued. Is that because we can work together? If we did disagree with, with people, is how we can actually go forward. But if we just sit there and say, I disagree with you with this, so I'm going to sit here with my hands crossed and not mm-hmm. do anything with you. Well, now nobody's accomplishing anything. Yeah, nobody's moving forward, for sure. Yeah. My idea, I think, if I was president, I would have everybody from, like, different... I would have one person from each different, like, background. I'd have, like, black dude, white dude, Mexican dude, gay dude, whatever, just all sit in, like, a room for, like, two hours and just talk. And, like, do that, like, maybe once a month or something like that. Like, no cameras or nothing like that. No moderator or nothing like that. Just, hell, just have some kind of, like, prompt, like, Cards Against Humanity or something like that. And just... Cards Against Humanity. You know, just you just, just interact with people and just see, like... And I think, my on theory, I think that people would just see, like, well, this guy's, you know, skin might be different. He might have different views. But, but down to the core, we're all the same, dude. Yeah. I think, you know, for the most part, just... For the most part, people just want, you know, the best, you know, the best for their family for the most part and you know don't mess with my space and just yeah. like, keep my peace <laughs> i think it would blow people's minds if you really think about it, all these disagreements that we have you know out in the media now probably about 95 percent of what we all think we all agree on mm-hmm. it's that little bit of a percent where we're on the extreme ends and that that's all on. we're focusing on yeah yeah, yeah. You know, so like, oh, okay, so you like, you know, this this car brand, I don't, mm-hmm. you know, but everything else we 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 agree on. So yeah. how about we focus on that and go with it? Like, no, exactly. it's because you did this and it, yeah, part of the world that we live in, man. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, Jabbar, this has been an awesome conversation, and we're almost Appreciate at two it, hours, man. This has been awesome. Didn't seem like it at all, dude. Thank you. Everybody has said that who sat in that same chair is like, how long has it been? Oh, it's been because it doesn't. It just flows, man. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I was like, what am I talking about for two hours with this guy, dude? Like, man. But yeah, it's, that's. I mean, you very good job asking questions and prompting questions and whatnot, and. It's awesome, dude, for sure. I well, thank that. you. Yeah. I appreciate that, and I appreciate the information that, that you're going to help to give out to the rest of the world. Because one of the reasons, I, the, <coughs> excuse me, the main reason why I do this is because, like we were talking about earlier, I really believe that people have control over every aspect of their life, and so many people think that, that they don't. Mm-hmm. They think that they can't get a certain weight because that's what they were born with, or mm-hmm. they're not going to get a certain job because of their education, or they can't do this because of some other factor, and they've accepted that when really most of the time you do have control over it let's yeah. let's talk to people who actually have been in similar situations mm-hmm. how do they overcome those those yeah. things like you know like per, uh, perfect example for you you know you get out of the, the of the the nfl you could have easily said well no that sucks to be me and you know I, they kicked me out but you go to nfl europe you go to the cfl mm-hmm. you work to try and perfect your craft to get back to one to get to mm-hmm. you didn't let it bring you down and mm-hmm. ultimately like, like you said you have full control of what you need to do mm-hmm. and maybe there were there were times where you didn't give yourself the best effort but you knew that already yeah because maybe it wasn't the best thing for you like if it was you would have done it. if it wasn't but I made that choice. Exactly. He didn't blame anybody else saying it's his fault or the coach's fault or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't do really that. been like that. Just, you know, it's, it is what it is, man. Just figure it out and move forward and, and, and see if you can accomplish your goal. If not, you know, it's, it's not the end of the world if you don't accomplish it, but you know, not the end of the world it's at trying, all. Though. There's it's trying though. Exactly. There's always a way to get things done. To, yeah. You know, you may not get to where you think you need to get to or where you mm-hmm. feel like you should, but where can you get to that actually is very satisfying? Yeah. That actually is a reflection of your talents and yeah. not comparing yourself to the next guy, to the guy that got drafted in the first round, yeah. the guy that can do this. Well, you also don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Maybe exactly. he is the best guy in the world, but exactly. on, on the field, but behind the scenes, what's he dealing with? Mm-hmm. And then do you want that life? Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and I'm sure you've probably seen that throughout your, your, oh, totally. your career in the NFL, the guys totally. that, on yeah. paper, everybody. Yeah. But let me tell you something about what he's dealing with. Yeah. I've only played seven years in the league, but I mean, I've got teammates that play, you know, just about at the same time, but new hips at like 35, new knees at 35, replacements at 35, 40, 40 years old. And, you know, or just aching out of bed and just all kind of, you know, not pill addictions, but, you know, have to take pills to function. But it's crazy. Yeah. And you came out of the league relatively unscathed. No exactly. major injuries. Exactly. You've got a clean bill of health for your CT. For the most part, so, yeah. you know, the fact that you can say you walk away with with your health where so many guys couldn't. Yeah, exactly. Then, you know, that's a big thing right there. Huge, for sure. Jabari, thank you so much for, for coming on. Yeah, man, for sure. Everybody who's watching, thank you so much for watching on YouTube. Please like the video, subscribe to the channel, and please share with all your friends and family so we can get Jabari's message out there. If you're listening to the show on either Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other podcasting site, please leave a review, leave a comment for me. The more the uh, listeners see that people are liking the video and the episode, the more is going to get pushed out there. So thank you so much for everybody who's doing that. And if you would like to, to support the uh, show, I do have a Patreon channel. The link is in the description, either Spotify or in YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash real talks on the rocks. If you'd like to make a donation to help support the channel, but thank you Jabari for, for coming on thank and you. we got to make it happen again. And Sounds I got to make it make time to sit down with, with your uh, father again, because he's, uh, <laughs> he's got a lot to talk about. I know you want to do four back. hours for that one player. I know we do. <laughs> thank you Jabari. Thank you I'm everybody sure. for watching. Have a good one. Take it easy.